Yeah, those bastards have been doing it this time since the 50s. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's May 6, 2010. Time for your Gibbo Nation Media Assassination Episode 197. This is No Agenda. Monitoring the largest disaster in the world ever. And coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West. It's in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where the garbage trucks are rolling, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. In the morning to you, John. It sounds like there's an anomaly in our theme. An anomaly? Yeah, there was something. You mean the jingles? Yeah, no, that right there was a bing, something came in. Oh, I don't know. It, yeah, during the jingle. Yeah, something happened. It crapped out. It happens. Ah, John, before we go anywhere, before we do anything, we must. We told you so on no agenda. During a live news broadcast, Brett Michaels' doctor said he will make a miraculous recovery <laughs> just in time for the final episode of Celebrity Apprentice and for his tour, which starts on May 26th. Unbelievable. I, I, well, you spotted that one a mile away. Yeah, I feel very happy for him. Uh, he you w- feel happy that you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's like he, he didn't have any, there was no procedure done, nothing. You know, the doctors had this all, you know, very complicated well, This was like the, uh, Marie Osmond when she fainted. <laughs> it was a little, I think it was a little worse than that. Oh, well, yeah, they took it to the next level. But... <laughs> But when I saw Trump go on the morning shows, I'm like, either Trump knows that he'll never be in the final because they've already taped it and he doesn't give a rat's ass. Oh, no, it's all done. Yeah. It's a done deal. <laughs> I, I, I agree. And I think I think it's Brett Michaels for the win now. It's for the win. You think? <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, you better play the th- You should be playing our theme because this is like uh, real news. That we should get off as fast uh, as we can. Uh, <laughs> and now, back to real news. Actually, I didn't want to do real news. I wanted to ask you how your trip to New Orleans was and if you had uh, tasted any good Cajun food while you were there. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? After we had a whole meeting about me setting you up for that? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. I think I, I'm new, uh, you know, I, there's, nobody wants to say it. So I was in New Orleans uh, uh, Sunday. And Interesting Monday. you say New Orleans when most people say I, I, I New could Orleans. say New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. But I can say whatever I want. Yes. Uh, you so anyways, I was in New, New Orleans mm-hmm. and... Uh, <clears throat> I, and nobody ever wants to say this. They always say, "Ooh, you know, you know." I was in fact right down the street from Antoine since 1840. Big on the side of the buildings, and beautiful place, beautiful, massive dining room, nice bar, the Hermes Bar, and the rest of it. This is well, a famous place, since, Antoine's, right? It's very famous. Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've been to New Orleans once. So uh, I've been there a number of times, and uh, the one thing I don't do much there is eat. It's uh, just hookers. You know, I only we actually did see a hooker. Yeah, <laughs> she was what, cute too. What was his name? <laughs> no, it was a, believe me, this was no guy. But anyway, so um, when it says Antoine since eighteen forty, what they mean, and I, I think generally speaking, what they mean throughout the city is that the food is from eighteen forty. <laughs> uh, you know, there was a thing in, in the, people always want to talk a little more, more about food and wine, so I'm gonna do it. Do it. Just do it. The, uh, this is a dead cuisine. Ooh. 
the, the cooking in the in Louisiana is a dead cuisine that hasn't changed. You know, fashions change. We don't drive Model A Fords anymore. We don't drive uh, you know th- cars from the '30s that or the cars that look like they're from the '30s. Everything there is thing called fashion, and fashion and food in a in a living cuisine is always changing. The French don't eat the same food they ate in 1840. We do have Chinese food in the United States from 1860 when the coolies came over to help build the railroads. They brought their cooking with them, and it froze in time. You can't find <laughs> egg foo young in China because China has a living cuisine that's much different than what the crap that they serve in the middle of Nowheresville, USA, in so far as food is concerned, in a Chinese restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so this food in New Orleans has become kind of, it's like a throwback. It's, it's all breaded, fried, uh, you know, nothing, jambalaya, gumbo. This stuff hasn't made a move for a hundred years, and nobody's ever called out to call them out on it. I think when Emeril Lagasse moved down there to try to, you know, revive the corpse, he was unsuccessful, and it's kind of pathetic, to be honest about it. I ended up eating some North Carolina barbecue when I was down, and that's about the best food I had. Wow, John, this is uh, this is pretty big news. I mean, you, <laughs> no one, no one really does this and just says, "Hey, you know what? It's, the food just kind of sucks." It totally sucks, and it's dead. The, the problem is, it's, it's actually yeah. If you want to go to New Orleans and visit for a day and have some old some gumbo and jambalaya and some other crap from the eighteen forties, gumbo. Yeah. yeah, have some crap from the eighteen forties. Live it up. But you know, to think that this is a good uh, cuisine is it's, it's totally unhealthy. It's very unfashionable. It's not the kind of thing you'd eat day after day unless you wanted to drop dead prematurely. It's it's just completely out of vogue. And they don't want to change it because so, they, you know, I'm, I'm presuming that uh, whatever you're doing down there, I presume you already, the check already cleared. <laughs> it wasn't the government paying me. <laughs> well, who knows? You know, people can get pretty weird about that when you hey, go- hey, our, our food's good. Hey, man. All right, it's a John. dead cuisine, and they should get over it and 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 either you know kill it, revive it, or try to do something. But I don't think it's revivable because all these old farts, you know, these old ladies and old men that go up there and they go there to have their meal at Antoine's or the Commander's Palace or whatever the place they go to, and they you know ah oh, yeah you get lots of portions. <laughs> One of the things they had served at the little. I was at one of the parties that this uh, company, uh, Pinnacle, uh, put together. And, uh, you know, they had a bunch of, the food was, you know, something to eat. But they had this thing at the end. Oh, you got to have the bananas foster. You know, here's another. Oh, yeah, that's a typical uh, dish. It's right? another yeah. typical dish from the 18, late 1800s. And, and, and it looks like dog diarrhea. Well, bananas foster in this case is what they did. Essentially, they just took a bunch of bananas and mashed them up and cooked them <laughs> like a ton of butter and then dropped it on top of some ice cream so you could just drop dead right on the spot if you really wanted to. I don't know. Uh-huh. I, anyway, I, I found it I, – I just find it annoying that people won't admit or, or, or face up to the fact that Louisiana cooking is – sucks. It, it's a dead cuisine. It's, it's, it, you, know, it's, you can have it once in a while, but it's, it's a dead cuisine. It's, it's kind of pathetic. Moving right along, John, uh, could you please inform us if we have any executive... I think we have some uh, uh, executive producers for this episode, right? Yes, and sorry for boring everybody who doesn't... No, no, it wasn't boring. It was funny. Entertaining. Uh, We've got a couple. Um, We have... uh, Let me slide the thing over. Sir Tom, or is it going to be Sir Tom, I think. Uh, Just Tom? Tom Tom Derry. 
Uh, he's uh, become a knight. His executive producer at five hundred eighty-three dollars, and uh, Clancy Childs, oh. who's also going to be a knight, is now a kid five hundred fifty-one dollars. And then Joseph Willis uh, from Palm Bay, Florida, and oh by the way, Clancy Childs is from London. Oh, nice. Uh, Joseph Willis five thirty-three. So those are our executive producers. We have the three, and then we have actually we're going to have four. We're not going to have any associate executive producers. Oh, okay. I've made it a policy kind of just for a while to make three thirty. 333. Oh, that's got to be an executive producer, I agree. So, uh, so the last one, we have four executive producers, and the last one is Jason Winkle uh, out of Stephenville, Texas. And um, they all have uh, long-winded notes. That we- <laughs> well, do we want to read? We, is there anything we well, need well, to read? My, Sir Clancy has the double nickels on the dime, but moved the decimal point because he's an enumerant. <laughs> yes, you're an enumerant, damn it. You, you blasted enumerate. <laughs> cool. Um, and he wants to call out a few douchebags. So this is the other side of the Karma Club. Looking forward to my knighthood, but would still like to call out Marshall Stark and Scott Phillips as douchebags who haven't a penny. Not a penny, damn it. Of course, one of them will now donate a penny. Yeah. Which, of course, we never get because PayPal takes the penny. Um, PayPal takes a lot of our money. Yeah, they, they do. They they they, they, they take it, it. Un, uh, unfairly sometimes. We have to stop those bastards. Um, and uh, no more bags mentioned. We do have Jason sent a, in a long note that he's listened for a long time. This will be his first donation. Liquid money was scarce until he decided to give up on this society, cash out my stocks, and reinvest in what I have faith in. Your show helped me get that last kick in the pants to abandon my former world. Go all cash. <laughs> yes, Thanks. exactly. Go all cash. Go all cash. Thank you for your excellent show that reassured me in times of desperate solitude that I was not crazy. Huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. It's a fact. Thank you, Adam, for boldly questioning and walking the wild side. Thank you, John, for keeping the show linked to the forced consensus reality. It makes your substance more generally palatable than Ike's. Sorry. I don't know this other guy. Who is this? Sorry. 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 Is that another Alex Jones clone? Who? Spell it. Well, he's got here. Says he likes David Ike, who's, you know, who he is. And then he's got Jones, obviously referring to Alan. Alex. Yeah. Alex, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Sarian, T-S-A-R-I-O-N. Who is no, that? No, never heard of him. Oh, it must be another well, one. The chat room will know. I have labored in vain for some time to open the eyes of, my, eyes of my friends and family to the underlying reality that your show glimpses or at least makes them, make them aware of the veil of deception your show exposes. Alas, the lizards of Ike and his <laughs> ilk were just too icky, which I agree with. And that mountain of information too insurmountable to enlighten anyone else I know. I had high hopes that your show would pierce the veil, but they are too busy being slaves to make them open their eyes to your show and notice their chains. Well, upon that note, I think we should definitely thank our executive producers, Tom Derry, Clancy Childs, Joseph Willis, and Jason Winkle. You know our formula. Please go out there and propagate it and say it proudly, everybody. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. All right, chat room, get ready. It's the mantra for all of us. Say it with me now. Shut up, slave. (laughs) I got a couple of uh, PR efforts I want to mention. Okay. Uh, First of all, there's a new site. Brilliant idea from Matt Wernell from uh, Stockholm, Sweden. He started noagendanetwork.com, which is uh, really something we needed. Very smart. 
So this is uh, a site that has all of the No Agenda sites listed on it with a beautiful little preview uh, image. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's amazingly good. So noagendanetwork.com. By the way, if you just go to Google and type in No Agenda, the, we own the whole page. <laughs> the whole page. It's about time. Yeah, it's fantastic. I uh, got a quick note here from Daniel. I think this is Daniel de, Das Wunderkind who did the, uh, the fantastic essay. Uh, out of the blue, Google sent me a $100 coupon to try out Google AdWords, so he uh, implemented that. Here's the ad, which you may see uh, running around. No agenda show, deconstructing the news since 2007 in the morning. So do we thank Daniel for doing that? Uh, there was the funniest ever, uh, you know, I guess uh, on Leo's uh, Twit network, he has like a, he had a call-in show in the middle of the night, one of his... One of his producers sits there and takes calls. He's been playing with that idea, so he probably does. Which, which I think is a fun idea. Although, you know, if you don't have call screeners, it's very difficult to do that. I mean, we even know that. But if you don't have people screening calls, it never really works out well. Although yeah. it did work out to our advantage in this case. Hi, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, West Virginia. Hi, is this Frankie? Is that accurate, what Google Voice said? Yeah. Okay, hi Frankie. Uh, what's your comment? Uh, well, I don't really have an agenda. I just wanted to say uh, good morning, uh, in the morning to you all. <laughs> you the in the line. game. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, you, you any? You, did you want to say anything about uh, what's in the news or any comments on the iPad or anything? Uh, not really. That's it. <laughs> okay. All right, Frankie. Thanks for the call. <laughs> so he flubs the line, but then he really comes back strong, which I thought was nice. Yeah, by failing out. Uh, you know, uh, no, I don't really have anything to say. <laughs> I'm out of here. There is now also there's now also uh, no agenda español, <laughs> which uh, uh, has been set up. It's no agenda español dot ning dot com. Although I think someone should, could easily register noagendaespanol.com, and it's essentially us in Spanish. Hmm. And then uh, a couple of people sent me this, and, you know, and I listened to it several times. It's from the latest episode of Doctor Who. And uh, there's a couple of in the mornings in here, but at a certain point at the very end, it's a 30-second clip. You've got to think that somebody actually might be listening to this show. It, I mean, I'm not going to put it beyond the realm of possibility. Normally, people send us a lot of clips you know, with, with actors, and there's a line about in the morning. But in this case, it really sounds like there's, a, like there's code going out to us. It could be. No, still not getting it. Doctor, in a word. In one very simple word, even you can understand. No. You're getting married in the morning. Well, the morning's a long time away. What are we going to do about that? Amy, listen to me. I am 907 years old. Do you understand what that means? It's been a while. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm 907. And look at me. I don't get older. I just change. You get older. I don't. And this can't ever work. Oh, you are sweet, Doctor. But I really wasn't suggesting anything quite so long term. But you're human. You're Amy. You're getting married in the morning. In the morning. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, that, there's no reason for him to we say it We have a lot that of writers way. that listen to our show. There's no reason for him to say it any other way than that, right? Yeah, well, it's pretty suspicious. I, I now, liked it. Did you mention to everybody that they can use this on their bio, that pitch of yours? No, I'm sorry, I didn't. And I believe that uh, some people are actually seeing some success with entering this executive producer credit into IMDb. 
Um, it seems to take a while, but it seems to be possible, which tells you a lot about IMDb, <laughs> because you'd think you'd have to have at least a movie or television credit to go along with it. If you have one of those, then you definitely get, this definitely gets added. I know that for sure. And, uh, of course, you can put it on your CV. We'll vouch for you. It is an official credit. It's a credit that you see all the time on, uh, uh, on movies, on television series, and uh, it goes the same for... No Agenda Show, this program would not be possible, this episode in particular, without these executive producers. And let's face it, all executive producers do is pay for the show and get laid. Yeah, and unfortunately with our operation, the laid part is uh, still to come. <laughs> and now you can't even go to New Orleans and get laid. <laughs> well, don't mention my name. So, so uh, uh, just a quick... Oh, uh, well, I was going to do a quick two to the head since uh, this. Okay, know, I, hit that. Oh, I, I, I have one New Orleans story we have to discuss for okay. a few minutes. Because, of course, I, a- I woke up to this this morning. It being uh, Election Day in Gitmo Nation East. And what better day than Election Day to try and kill a politician? Who got killed? Well, he didn't quite get killed. Our favorite guy, Nigel Farage. I, I find this to be peculiar. So Nigel, Nigel Farage, Farage, who's the Farage. Farage, Farage, right? Yeah. He is like the, a troublemaker, and now they're going to try to kill him? Well, it, it, doing it on Election Day is beautiful in a small private plane, which is always, you know, it's the favorite method of the elite to kill people. Right. CIA, or the, no, or the uh, economic hitman thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, the, of course, there's no accurate reporting right now. Here's what I've read, like... Oh, they were going to tow a banner. It got caught up in the tail. Uh, someone else. There was a crosswind. Oh, please. Why would he be in a plane towing a banner? Well, it's a real politician thing to do. You know, he's going to the banner was uh, to vote. And UK, he's in the UK, plane waving. I mean, what is the point of him being in the plane in the first place? I found that very strange as well. Uh, I will say, though, that just looking at the pictures and whatever was available, it looks like the uh, landing gear snapped off upon landing. Oh, and is that they, it? And they somersaulted. So two Hold things. A, Ouch. Uh, oh, yeah. No, he's he's been, un, he was in and out of consciousness. And I received another report that uh, there may, he, he may have more serious injuries than they, than they, than yeah, they thought. Yeah, probably after the crash. Yeah. He's not dead? No, he's not dead. No. <laughs> no, I mean, that's what they say. Oh, yeah. Crap. Get him to, get him to the hospital. Let's kill him. <laughs> Let's get him to the hospital and it's kill like him Polish there. Plane crash with all the gunshots after the crash. What's really interesting, though, is I'm looking around all of these, uh, like, BBC News and Times Online. The comments in these stories, everyone hates this guy. No, there's, not, there's not a single person saying, well, I wish him well. No, it's like, well, there were some funny jokes, like, uh, I guess the plane had two right wings. Okay, I, I, I see that as kind of funny. But everyone's like, you know, uh, big you think, the, you think the comments are being moderated? And, I, uh, defi- made- I definitely think so. Yeah, you think somebody would like the guy. I mean, we like him. Maybe we're misunderstanding what people think about him in the UK. We like him in the in European Parliament because yeah, he, he, he gives, calls out the he uh, calls out the obvious. I, the high the British would, like, would love the guy. Like, I don't understand. There's some meme. There's something going on, and there they are. There's there's more than just a, a physical assassination happening right now. So, yeah, it was just like, whoa, man, that's. That's pretty yeah. heavy. Anyway, I, I certainly hope uh, he's okay, and we'll find out more. You know, there's all kinds of funny things. You know, it was a Polish plane, which, by the way, is true. It uh, was? Yeah. 
Well, maybe there's a secondary meme going on here because that other plane, you know, there's <laughs> yeah. Polish guys in it, and there's, maybe there's they're trying of, to get the message Polish. There's a, there's a lot there's a lot of memes going on with that. So anyway, uh, it, it's just like you know when you wake up in the morning and, and there's like a million twitters, a million emails, and, and actually I, my heart starts pounding. I'm like, oh my god, you know what have they done now? I'm like, oh, okay, at least he seems to be okay. And then I get messages, well, you know, he, it may be more serious than I thought. And like, oh, you're right. They're going to go get him in the hospital. Yeah, they go in the hospital and they give him the, the wrong drip. The next thing you know, he's, oh, he died from complications. So we won't, uh, know, I don't think, we'll, no, we won't know the outcome of uh, the election in Gitmo Nation East today because I, I don't think all the votes are in for a while. You think it takes a while to count. I can tell you, you what's going to happen, kinda- though. You think it's kind of weird that we just matter of fact assume that this guy was set up to be killed and most of our listeners are probably like nodding their heads. Yeah, I thought about that, you know, because my my aviation instinct is to say, okay, what went wrong? It looks like uh, maybe you had a really hard landing, maybe. But then when I read the accounts, which, of course, everything is different. And when people say like, oh, it was a crosswind, I'm like, okay, blow me assassination. You know, when, when, when they're spreading that kind of bull in the, on the BBC news, cro- planes land. That's why you have pedals to land in the crosswind. That's the whole, that's the whole point. You can't be always landing directly into the wind. It doesn't exist. No, it's, uh, the, the, the odds are low. Yeah. In fact, when that happens, we're like, wow, that's kind of cool. The wind is right on the nose. That's nice <laughs> for a change. How did that work? Yeah. You know, so yeah, when you start reading that, it's like, uh, okay. And of course, uh, all the UK general aviation forums, there's nothing, nothing being discussed. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, just one other thing, which will mean nothing to anyone except for listeners from Gitmo Nation Lowlands. I found an interview with uh, um, the new star, Nick Clegg, who is uh, representing the Liberal Democrats in this uh, election. Yeah. And I, I should actually just play it for you. Cause he was he, interviewed in Holland? He was interviewed in Holland. Remember I told you this guy is from a total elitist background, right? Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, he's, his whole family is full of spies. His grandmother was a Russian spy. Now listen to him answer a question from a Dutch journalist. So this is the journalist asking a question in Dutch. You can So I can't tell you how weird it is to hear this guy speak perfect Dutch. Completely fluent. That's Nick Clegg. Yeah. No, but not just. But it's it's like uh, elitist high Dutch. I mean, it's so per, it's upper crust Dutch. Upper crust Dutch. And you know, his mom. Really? His mom is Dutch, and, and and I and I knew this, but I had no idea the guy spoke perfect Dutch. I've only heard him speak in English. I mean, it, the effect is a little different when you're not a native speaker. And but I'm like, what? This is, this is amazing. It's just huh. amazing. Now, let me just get rid of this one while, while we're on it, because I'm sure that this is another Lowlands thing, but terrorism is working in Gitmo Nation Lowlands. You know, every year on the 4th of May, they have um, a commemoration ceremony where at eight or two minutes to eight, or I think it's at eight o'clock, the entire country is silent for two minutes. I mean, people stop on the highway. No one says anything. People actually stop twittering. It's just, you know, and, and for as long as I've been in that country, this has been going on. And there's a big ceremony on the dam. There's a wreath laying. And this is to uh, commemorate the, the fallen in World War II. And it's, it's pretty amazing when the entire country is silent. 
Okay. So they're doing their thing on the dam. Uh, and they're about one minute and 45 seconds into it. And then someone starts screaming. And, well, I'll, I'll play the clip for you. And you can kind of hear the pandemonium. So it's completely silent now. And now everyone's just running. They're falling through uh, uh, through barricades. The queen is being rushed off. It was like total pandemonium. Yeah, it doesn't really come across that well in audio, unfortunately. Total pandemonium. Which has never happened before, as far as I know. I, I just got to send you this link, John. Just take a quick look at it. And it was like everyone freaked out. Just completely so, freaked. So what happened? Just somebody screamed and they all went nuts? Well, of course, the, sto- the, the story is very sketchy. But, you know, they say, oh, well, some guy started screaming. Someone dropped a suitcase. And uh, they, they got the guy. They subdued him. By the way, he was not an unknown to the police. So, of course, there's no news. No one really knows what's going on. I can't look on. at this because I have to sign up or do some crazy thing. What, just to look at the YouTube video? Yeah, it says this video or group may contain content that is inappropriate yeah, 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 for yeah. some. Oh, do you have to say you're over 18? No, no. To view, I have to verify that I'm over 18 by signing in and signing up. Well, that's bullshit. <laughs> Tell me about it. Luckily, I, I can't have my... This, this particular computer, I'm not equipped to do that, so... I'll watch it later. But, yeah, it sounds like they're just, they're uh, on edge. Yeah, and, you know, it was just like, wow, you know, terrorism works. Yeah, no, it works here. I mean, the, the whole, one of, I think a part, large part of our show today is going to be discussing it. Uh, I have some, I have a very interesting angle, uh, which you have some idea about, because one of our listeners sent us a, or one of our producers sent us a, a slew of uh, links, but I already had some stuff on it. Let me let me yeah, guess. This is about uh, the New York City bombing. Yeah, you've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, sure, I have. <laughs> There's a lot of cra- crazy stuff about the New York City bombing, and we might as well get right into it if we want to, uh, because th- this is a point that we've made on the show before uh, about other issues and how they sneak in this propagandistic crap. Go to the clips too. Okay. Yeah, you, you sent a lot of clips, clips man. Sorry. Okay. I, I, by the, the way, I, I think I'll have a different take on this than you. Believe it or not. Yeah, well, you could. Too. Yes, but it doesn't mean your take is or my take is wrong. Uh, but let's listen to a couple of things. I think there's a plot afoot. Uh, I, I'm not convinced that this guy was uh, anything other. I don't know what this guy was. He was obviously nuts. Crackpot could have been working for the CIA. We have no idea. Uh, they just keep showing that stupid picture of him everywhere. Uh, they're pl- overplaying it. That's all they talk about in the 24-7 news. But here's a couple. Of th- I want to play these clips in order. I got Prelude to the Real Reason, which is a TSA pitch that I'd, I've never heard before. But I, I didn't know they were even going to do this. But here's that, 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 that creepy guy, a Chertoff, making his um, uh, pronouncement. Another trap in the system that did catch this individual. All right, Gene Mazur for us tonight. Gene, thanks very much. Uh, just a short time ago, I spoke with former Homeland Security Secretary Michael Chertoff, who served in the Bush administration, and asked him about whether these new no-fly rules announced today perhaps would have stopped Faisal Shahad from getting aboard that plane. Take a listen. Well, the problem in this case is that uh, the no-fly list is still operated by the airlines uh, and not by TSA. There's a program called Secure Flight, 
which we launched a, a few years ago, although it was delayed, frankly, by the airlines, uh, that will, when it is f- fully implemented, eliminate this problem because it will no longer be up to the airlines to deny boarding, but it'll be up to TSA. But I should point out, Campbell, that there was a backup here which did work, which is Customs and Border Protection's ability okay, to look at the yeah. manifest. You know, right. before the- let, me, let me just say, because I did get a... Uh, something came across the newswire. So you heard him mention the uh, secure program. Do you remember the clear program, John? This was the thing. That yeah, was, it's been reintroduced. Yeah, well, but reintroduced, it was bought by Michael Chertoff. Was, oh, thank the, you. You got me. The, okay. The, here it is. The company One was taken for Adam. The company was taken over by All Clear LLC, whose board includes Michael Chertoff, former secretary of U.S. Department of Homeland Security. They bought a verified identity pass, which filed for bankruptcy. You remember that? We talked about that, and yeah, everyone wanted to know what's going to happen to, to people's uh, information. So there's Chertoff doing a commercial for himself. The point is, is why, and why, is it, why doesn't he disclose? Okay, so he didn't disclose. So the guy, but anyway, so they want to move the, the, so this is step one. They want to move the no-fly list off of the, they want to get it away from the airline so they can control it. So meanwhile, of course, CNN has the commercial. Ooh. Is, like that that. The, is that the one titled The Commercial? That's what I call it. <laughs> and the award for most athletic most likely to succeed is and most likely to become a terrorist. No one ever suspected you. American Al-Qaeda, CNN, starting next week, 10 p.m. Eastern. What the hell is that? American Al-Qaeda, starting next week at 10 p.m. American Al-Qaeda, it's the homegrown terrorist, everybody. Okay, so now they're so they're working this very nicely into a promotion for their their crappy show, and so now I'm thinking about wait a minute, there must be but a wait, bit, there, big, there must be more, <laughs> there must be more, a bigger agenda, and we found link after link after link asserting the following, and then I catch it first, I catch it on CNN. And then I catch the meme on MSNBC, exact same meme, exact same bull crap. We heard it before. They try to do this every way they can. Play, this is what it's all about, one. Also, an accident that maybe didn't have to happen if the government agency that's supposed to regulate the oil industry was doing its job instead of cozying up, and I mean that literally in the case, to industry executive. Evidence that some of these government watchdogs were actually having sex with uh, oil industry executives, (laughs) even doing drugs with them. We're keeping them honest. And new information to Tonight on the Times Square terror suspect. We'll talk terror and why being on the no-fly list apparently doesn't disqualify you from buying a gun. In tonight's Big 360 interview with Bill Maher, we'll cover that. We'll talk about Islam and we'll talk about the oil spill with Bill as well. Those stories a lot more, Larry, at the top of the hour. Oh, yeah, because the guy uh, apparently bought a gun legally, and so this is about taking your... Take Play your guns away. Two. All right. Great. Thank you, Keith. Another startling reality about all this, if Faisal Shahzad had had time, he could have stopped off on the way to Kennedy Airport to that Emirates flight he was trying to board and bought a gun or some actual explosives because being on the no-fly list does not mean you're also on the no-buy gun or stuff you can blow people up with list. Yeah, that's what Rahm Emanuel said. I don't have the clip handy, but he at a speech said he felt that anyone who was on the no-fly list should also not be allowed to have a gun. That was why. His. Well, because he's Ram What Emanuel. about that guy? That one guy, Jim Johnson, or whatever is that? There's some name that's very common to half the population, and they're on the no-fly list, and their life's been nothing but a hell ever hey, since. Hey, 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 hey! Don't yell at me. 
I'm just, I'm just a they're messenger. Trying, so first, they're trying to get the no-fly list away from the airlines. Then they're going to create a government no-fly list, which is coincidentally going to be a all kinds of don't do this and don't do that list. This is without due process. You're not, you're going to, you're having your Second Amendment rights taken away from you without any due process whatsoever. That's what's going on here, and the people have to be aware of it. They're, they've been doing this. They've been trying to pull this stunt over and over and over again. And I'm not a big gun nut, but I'm not. But it's so obvious what's going on here that it's almost like, hey, hello. Did you hear um, Bloomberg? Oh, wait, wait. What, and what is this thing about, oh, we're going to have Bill Maher. I'm going to interview him about the bombing and about the no-fly list. Because he's, he's already been hired. I mean, when not- has he been a, an expert? <laughs> on guns. <laughs> Don't you understand? He's, he's already on board with the program, and people love him. They love him. He's an, he's, he's an expert. Listen to what uh, Mayor Bloomberg said to Katie Couric. This blew my mind when I heard uh, Bloomberg say this about, you know, who, because of course that's the question, before they knew that he was uh, a homegrown terrorist, here's what uh, Michael Bloomberg had to say. If I had to guess 25 cents, this would be exactly that. Somebody who's homegrown, maybe a mentally deranged person or somebody with a political agenda that doesn't like uh, the health care bill or something. It could be anything. (laughs) What? Someone who doesn't like the health care bill. bill. (laughs) This is the mayor of New York City. It's somebody who doesn't like the health care bill. You know, Unbelievable! Can I just take a? So I, I totally agree that this is certainly being misused. Can I? But can I just take a? Uh, a just give a different. Yeah, I'm all pos- ears. I mean, pop- I got mine out of the way. Yeah, a, a, a possibility. So the guy is from uh, Pakistan. Wait, wait, it's not going to involve flying saucers, though, right? No. Well, okay. uh, close. <laughs> oh, <laughs> close. No. no, not that bad. Okay. So the guy is from Pakistan. Yeah. You know. You know, there's many ways to piss people off, you, you know, and one of the ways to piss people off is to kill them with predator drones. And let's be honest that, you know, and there's a lot of that going on in Pakistan that is severely underreported. We talk about it from time to time, but certainly not all the time. So if the president gets up in front of a world stage from the world press and says the following. <laughs> The Jonas Brothers are here. They're out there somewhere. Sasha and Malia are huge fans. But uh, boys don't get any ideas. I have two words for you. Predator drones. You will never see it coming. You think I'm joking? You know, when I hear that, and, you know, let's say that I know some people who have been killed by a predator drone. I might get really pissed off. Well, I doubt this guy was listening to the, the, the that in the first place because that was the uh, uh, I, correspondence I, I agree. Dinner comedy I, act. I agree, but still, you know, the cavalier. Well, here's what, okay, I, I'm, I'm not arguing the point of the guy that maybe, in fact, they can, here's, but here's what bothers me about it, because at this be got into the meme machine if you play from the clips one selections play motive wtf hold on a second yeah got it 
thank you kindly. Evan Coleman, MSNBC uh, counterterrorism analyst. Thank you very much. All right. For more on the Shahzad-Pakistan connection, let's turn to Steve Clemens, director of the American Strategy Program at the New America Foundation, author of the foreign policy blog, The Washington Note. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Keith. All right, officials uh, said Shazad today told him his motive, one of his motives, supposedly gave about four or five of them. Motive for the attack, anger over the U.S. targeting uh, Taliban leaders in Pakistan with drone attacks. Is that going to affect U.S. policy in Pakistan? Well, okay, all right. Okay, now let me, let me stop before we go on. Uh, of course, there's stupid questions that can affect U.S. policy. But, <laughs> yes. w- but wait a minute, this guy is under, wait, this guy, the bomber, the mad bomber, he is under... Right now, he's under interrogation as we speak. When do interrogators in, in the past or ever start to reveal the, the, some of the foundations of the interrogation? So they would release, well, his motives are six different things, and they release them while the guy's still being questioned? When does that ever happen? Now, you know, I was going to play you an awesome clip, and of course, I'm so, of the one clip I didn't record, of course, the video has now failed, so I can just tell you what it was. Lee County Sheriff Michael Scott, and this was a a news report on, what was it, WINK News. Uh, He actually said, uh, well, over the weekend I was taking place in a uh, New York City bomb squad training session. Now, we know from experience that whenever something like this happens, and there happens to be a drill right nearby on the very same day, it's usually a setup. And now it's even crazier, of course, at this one clip that I want to All right, to well, play let me mention a couple gone. other things about this character that are, that are anomalies. Supposedly, he's, you know, his dad was the, not only an Air Force uh, major or some officer in the Pakistani Air Force, but he was the head of the, what's essentially the Blue Angels of Pakistan. Okay. So he's a famous guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy comes over here, marries a woman to become a citizen. Uh, you know, it's for some reason, he, he gets a couple of degrees at small. For some reason, it's a great country. That's your reason. He gets a couple of, uh, not if he wants to bomb it, <laughs> that may be his reason. But anyway, so then he gets a couple of degrees at some podunk universities, gets a job as a system analyst. He's married with two kids. Where is the wife? Yeah, good point. How come they're not standing in front of her lawn? Where is the wife? Yeah, you'll never see her. That's because maybe the whole thing was it's set it, up. It, yeah, set it up. Looks, it looks totally fake. So I just have one more. And by the way, they put Jihad Jane. You know, she did her <laughs> trial has been put off. Yeah. Well, of so course, this is a much better story. Yeah, Jihad Jane isn't working anymore. No one's buying that crap. <laughs> Stupid Jihad Jane. So you know what's taking place on the 14th of May in New York City. And uh, and I'm thinking this could totally be the reason for tighten down security, not no. allowing people to come into New York City. You know what's taking place on the 14th of May? Do you know? No. Okay. Let me play it for you. Uh, it's our friend. I Oops. am James David Manning, senior pastor of the Outlaw World Missionary Church in Harlem. <laughs> this is our Mac Daddy friend, John. Oh, Mac Daddy. Now listen to this. New York. I'm also the originator of the Columbia Obama trial scheduled for the 14th of May, the year 2010. Due to the growing threatening circumstances surrounding this trial, I must now release the full transcript 
we wish to present, document, and prove at the Columbia Obama trial. So I just got to say that this guy, you know, he's been hammering on this for a year. And he claims to have all this evidence that Obama is a CIA agent. Yeah. Have you ever heard any of his evidence or what he, what he says he'll be proving on the 14th of May? No. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll play a little bit of it. Maybe we should play his whole clip at the end. or Yes, play the whole clip at the end. But just a little, just to whet your appetite. It's unbelievable. Later this year, Obama was recruited in 1980 by the CIA while a student at Occidental College in Los Angeles, California. The CIA needed Muslims who were fluent in Farsi and other Islamic customs and understandings. Obama was perfect as an undercover agent. The CIA then later enlisted Columbia University to extend his foreign student program to Barack Hussein Obama that he might enroll in the universities around Karachi and in Pakistan and also the Patrice Lumumba School in Moscow. With a perfect cover and the U.S. student identity, Obama became the lead agent in the arms and money supply to the struggling Taliban army against the Soviet war machine. <laughs> oh, man, this guy you, really... He goes on and on. And then, you know, remember that um, they were trying to... The, the, the passport uh, case where the personnel were uh, lifting the president's passport files? Right, right, you know right. The, yeah, yeah, right. They were trying to... Get, yeah, they the, were. Well, that was... It's a big uh, scandal. Yeah, that was Lieutenant uh, Quarles Harris Jr. Did you know that he was found dead in his car? <laughs> oh, really? The guy that tried to get the Obama passport yes. date is now dead, two to the head? Yeah, he, well, that was in 2008. Of course, we, you know, we missed that. Right after it happened. We, we yeah, missed it. We missed it. Total two to the head. So I'll play that. It's like a 15. Let me see. How long is it? It's, uh, it's like a 10-minute clip. And I'll play that at the end of the show. You will not believe. I mean, if this guy actually, he, he says he's, he has proof. He says the reason why he's reading you the transcript of what they're going to prove during this trial is because of the dangerous situation, which, of course, is exactly what's taking place now. Um, this is trying to be disrupted, I, I would think. Um, and he says he's going to prove all of that. And the stuff that he says, oh, my God. You know, we've, John, you and I have talked about no one ever heard of him at Columbia. No one ever saw him. No one, and then he says, well, he lived like a monk. To this, uh, this uh, David Manning guy, he's, uh, he's got people. You mean from- Obama? No one heard of him there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, people keep bringing it up. Where are Obama's college buddies? Yeah. Now, Obama says he lived like a monk. So this uh, Manning guy has, you know, he's, people are coming from all over the country, all over the world to this trial. And uh, some of them will be dressed as monks <laughs> with like monk hoods and stuff. So this is getting a lot of play on the mainstream media, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, lots of people talking about this. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here, heard it here first. Oh, wow! But yeah, yeah. I, well, I'm, something's up. You're right. Okay. Well, I think it's still something of a conundrum. Uh, this character, this bullshit bomb. The, well, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff, but I but when I hear Chertoff come out and promote his own company, essentially, 
and then all the gun stuff. It's like you know, it's, it's, it's you can almost see the meeting. All right, we got to shut this uh, this this reverend guy up. I'll tell you what. Anyone else can benefit from this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, let's use that to, to take away guns. Yeah, good idea. Check mark. Uh, what else can we do? Mike, 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 Mike. What you got? Yeah, well, I got the all clear program starting up. Let's uh, promote that. Okay, good. We'll get. Wow, this is a triple header. Yeah, that's what it looks like. <sighs> They're just add putting stuff on top of stuff, and they're using the same wordage. And it's on CNN, MSNBC. I mean, I haven't heard the. There probably was on Fox. I can only listen to this one show at a time. Yeah. And but the fact that I can catch two of these things out of the blue within a few hours of each other means everybody's throwing it out there. It's just not a coincidence. And uh, I don't know. Here's another thing that's bothering me. Uh, and it's really showed up a lot over this news cycle with this with this character from Pakistan. And I, I'll give you a hint of what it is, but you can play the clip CIA opinion, numerous malarkey clip. You want me to play that first? No setup? Yeah, play, and then we'll talk about this problem. With this case, sources adding it does not necessarily mean that the group engineered the plot. On this network, meanwhile, this morning, the former director of the CIA telling our own Savannah Guthrie that Shazad is a new kind of terrorist. This learning enemy is now adjusting to the fact that if he does something very complicated that takes a long period of time, by and large, we'll detect it and disrupt it. So what happened in Times Square this past weekend, what happened on Christmas Day, is a new model. Because Al-Qaeda now knows if they hug them too close too long, we'll find out who they are. So what we have here for the new model are less complicated attacks, frankly, attacks that would probably be less severe, attacks that are less skilled and therefore with a lower probability of success. But now here's the very bad part. Probably a lot more numerous. It's turned out to MSNBC. Okay, it's it's terrorist 2.0. It's bull crap. <laughs> but here's what bothers me. Yeah. There was a, uh, I'm seeing, including some woman, I, I, I didn't get her name, but I'm going to get her name. We'll talk about her maybe in the next show, uh, who used, apparently was in the Bush administration. She's actually kind of uh, pretty. Yeah. yeah you know, uh, and, and you're in that milfy way you like. And It wasn't uh, Dana, was it? No, no, no. She's also, no, this one's different. She's, this one's a little more, uh, a little more uh, dragon lady looking. Oh. Anyway, so... Uh, CIA. This is the bald guy that used to be the CIA's director under Bush. I can't remember his name. He always wore a Navy uniform or, mm-hmm. or no, an Army uniform of some sort. Uh, I'm watching all these shows. They're doing it now. Says every other guy that's on the show. We're not hearing from college professors who know the area or local news reporters from Pakistan or from anybody who actually knows anything. We're hearing from CIA, CIA, <laughs> CIA. I have never seen so many CIA people on television <laughs> over the last few days. I thought the CIA, see, you never used to hear from the CIA. You never, never used talk. to hear from the CIA. There was a <laughs> thing that bothered me. I wanted to talk about about a month ago. Some spy the famous spy from the end of World War II died, and he got a huge tribute in the New York Times. Spy dies, you know, and it shows a picture of him, you know, living it up someplace. They talked about all this great spy work. When did spies become like these heroes? I thought they were supposed to be quiet behind the scenes, you know, not bothering anybody. But now they're 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 on on the air analysts yeah. with their and their opinion sucks. <laughs> It's not very interesting. You know, 
We get no insight. When they, when they, after 9-11, I remember, they would have people on that gave you nothing but insight. These, there were a lot of them were professors that have studied the area or some specialty, or they had a book out that they did 25 years ago that, is still, that everyone uses as a Bible, and they used to be on the TV. No, now it's CIA guys that I've never heard of, and then they're pronouncing this and that, and they're making all kinds of judgments, and the ex-security people from the Bush administration that seem to work for Obama, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, that's kind of the cool thing about it is you can roll out anyone and say he was a spook and then, you know, how are you going to check it, right? You don't know that because he was CIA. There's no background on the guys. Right. That's perfect. Well, I think the people who listen to this show by now realize that you're watching the Ministry of Truth. That's all that it is. It's it's well done. (laughs) It's not well done. It could be better done. That's the point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Can I uh, let's let's get off of this. Let me uh, switch gears. I figured something out, John. It was yeah. staring me right in the face. Right in the face, I tell you. Yeah. We we've, we've been talking about uh salt. Oh and, yes. And you how- know, this has been an issue. People who don't listen to the show all the time. This is a theme that's showed up as another meme. But it's re- reduction. I have been trying to figure it out. I figured I it out. Not- it was so easy. We've actually been talking about it on this show almost from episode one. And all of a sudden, like, oh, duh. And the reason how I figured it out, one of our producers sent me a note from Israel, from uh, the symbol, symbol, symbol online. Uh, it's a Google translated uh, doc. Uh, Ministry of Health works to reduce salt in food. So, of course, this is exactly what we've been hearing uh, in every country. Ministry of Health decided to reduce the amount of salt for industrial food products manufactured in the country, blah, 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 blah. And we've been seeing all this news about salt and, you know, and, uh, and PepsiCo, who, uh, who own Frito-Lay. They're going to do it. They have a different kind of salt, and it's all yeah. salt, and we have to reduce salt, and restaurants can't use salt. And then I was like, of course, Codex Alimentarius. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. It's the Codex Alimentarius, and I spent a couple hours yesterday going into the website, and here it is, the guidelines for simple evaluation of food additive intake. It tells you exactly how much salt a human being is allowed to have by law. And this is a United Nations project. There's 160 people represented within the Codex Alimentarius uh, Starfleet Command, and there's YouTube videos. It's just disgusting when you hear how they're going to regulate our lives. And and this is what it's all about, John. It's all about what you can eat, what is safe for you. And here's just a quick example. A farm in Guatemala, a wheat field in South Africa, a sidewalk cafe in Paris, Different scenes, different parts of the world, but connected. And that connection starts here. There's like a whole room full of people. Thank you. Thank you. Meet Codex Alimentarius, the United Nations organization that establishes the world's food standards. Standards based on science that guide global food production. The science is in. That it's safe. The science is in. Codex Alimentarius and its technical committees make the connection between this and this and this. 
For consumers, what could be more straightforward than shopping for bread? All right, well, you can watch uh, those videos. They're listed oh, in the show Oh, this, this makes me sick. Well, you know, this is what I was warning everybody about. No, I no, said, you've, been, you've been on this since, you're right, almost the first show we've ever done, you've been bitching about the Codex Alimentarius. And I told and yeah, you. Okay, so they got some salt thing in there, and so now everybody's kowtowing to it. Why do, do we, what, Why? Why, why is our government or anybody or the local governments and your buddy Bloomberg, I think, is all over this in uh, New York City. They're yeah. trying to eliminate yeah. salt shakers from the table. Yep. It's, so we uh, can't salt our food if we want to. Well, in New York, it's called the uh, – hmm, hold on a second. Well, first of all, here it is. It's the ADI, John, Acceptable Daily Intake. Shut up, slave. Here's what you can eat. And uh, so the acceptable daily intake is – a. Estimate by JECFA on the amount of food additive expressed on a body weight basis. And basically, the Codex Alimentarius is now law in the United States of Europe. That went in January 1st, 2010, exactly as I said it would. And it, and this is why it propagated through Europe first. They've, you know, they're taking all kinds of stuff off of the market. You can't, you know, you, and not that I give a crap, but you'll hear a lot of commercials about colloidal silver. You know, I don't care if you... Uh, are smoking silver. That's up to you. But now, you know, you can't get any of that. People, a lot of people believe in that stuff. Uh, and they're taking all off the market. Now they're regulating our salt. And you're right, in New York City, it's called the, um, the, oh, the oh, let me see what it is, the, like the Salt Reduction Initiative or something like that. It, it's just, it's completely nuts. Uh, here it is, the uh, yeah, National Salt Reduction Initiative which New York City is spearheading. And this is global governance. This is what you get. And we've been telling you about this. And here it is. And there's no turning it back. Because as you know, there's all kinds of agreements with the World Health Organization. This is how the swine flu shots got, got jammed down our ass or up our ass. Is you, you must take it. We have a pandemic. Oh, yes. So now it's salt. And who knows what it'll be next? Well, it's going to be whatever's in that book. Dude, the, it's not a book. It's like a library. This is not a simple book. Well, who's going to enforce this bull crap? Well, New York City is enforcing it. Uh, who are the cops are going to come into a restaurant and saying, okay, salt shakers, shut, shut it down, people. Shut it down. Everybody out. Well, a New York City cop is going to do something. He's going to write a ticket for a missing salt or an additional salt shaker on the table. Are you telling me that's going to happen? I'd like to get that on tape. Well, I'm not putting it past uh, the realm of possibility. But I di- I, all I just want to say is this is what the Codex is about. This is how it works. There's a huge campaign underway. It's very similar to the trains, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. It's just It gets into the mind. It gets into the psyche. All the drama, sitcoms are on board with it. Everyone will be talking about it. I'm sure Halen Knowlton has been hired by now. And before you know it, you'll be eating shoe leather. And liking it. <laughs> Damn it. Go watch the Soylent Green movie, people. <laughs> Shut up, slave. He <laughs> told you so. Ha! Yes, we well, did. That's depressing. Well, we, well, we told you so. We told you as, as, as like three years ago. Yeah, no. And, and may I say, I brought this up and, and a couple times you would actually go, Oh, brother, here he comes with his Codex Alimentarius. Oh, brother. And there you go. That <laughs> That's was, a good voice. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't sound anything like me, but it's a, it's pretty good. <laughs> well, let me. Mark you should that, be doing then. cartoon voices. Oh, if I, you know, it would make me some money. I'd be happy. 
<laughs> Holy crap. Speaking of such, uh, maybe we should just go for it. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. So I would have to say I received so many fantastic emails from people in support of this show for uh, Double Nickels on the Dime Day, which of course... and, and uh, Which was yesterday, yeah, 5 I, five ten. I, I had nothing to do with the email, although we had discussed it. Of course, we don't have meetings on this show. So the email showed up in my, in my box, and I'm laughing my ass off because, of course, uh, the date 5-5-10 will not happen for another, another hundred years. And uh, in this email, which John sent on behalf of the show, and that would be him and myself, uh, we promise not to bother everybody for 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> so the next time we'll talk about 5510 and a date will be in 2110. We promise it'll never come back again. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was, a, it was a, great, uh, a great initiative, and uh, I really appreciated all the people who sent in uh, double nickels on the dime donation. Very funny. Um, and uh, how do you want to handle this, John? Because I do want to thank everyone, of course. Right. Uh, what, there's a couple of ways we can do this. First, let me thank people who who did the kind of freelance uh, 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 donation. Free, free form. Free form, free form donation. Free, yeah, that's what I was looking for. Mark Gull, Toronto, Ontario, $133.33. Mark Elo, San Jose, California, who's uh, did the double nickels on the dime twice, so it's $110.20. Uh, and then... Uh, Rauli Rikama in Finland, uh, who has a note, gave us 6660, which is the, the great number. Um, wants to donate on his behalf of heavy metal music-loving brother Esko, who's a douchebag. Do you smell what? Oops. Douchebag. Do you smell a douchebag? Do you smell one. a douchebag? <laughs> uh, but his 29th birthday, birthday is the 6th of May, so I want to send him a big congratulations. We do have a couple of birthdays so we want to get. Yeah, why don't we do all the birthdays right in a row, John, if you don't Okay. Mind. Sorry, go ahead. All right, we've got uh, a couple interesting. We've got uh, Esko Rikama, or Rikama, uh, on May 6th. Dawn Shrek on uh, today. Uh, and then we have uh, uh, T, which is uh, Eric's wife. Uh, uh, her last name is Swim, which is interesting because uh, Darren Sink is giving his daughter Jessica a call out. She was born on 5505. He gave us $5.55. She's five years old. And so we have sink and swim. Oh! <laughs> all right. So happy birthday, everybody, on behalf of all your friends at No Agenda. It's your birthday, yeah. <laughs> Badoom boom. How could I miss that? It was like, whoa. You still almost fumbled it. I, I blew the whole thing, but, you know, this is not... We don't rehearse, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we're not really professionals. We're, we're, we're amateur hour. <laughs> yes, uh, we are. <laughs> so then we got uh, 5678 from Second Mile Productions. And uh, this is Brian's wife, Susie. We've been listening to this show since the beginning. Love it. We've donated several times, but I had to donate after last week's show, which was great. She wants to call out Adam as a douchebag. Douchebag. He made such a big deal about John not being able to pronounce the Dutch 
names and yet not five minutes later did a terrible job pronoun- pronouncing a Spanish name. What a douche. Please mention, mention my blog, chariotsrun.com. But it's Chiots, Chiots Run, C-H-I-O-T-S oh, Run. don't go butchering it now, John. Anyway, it's a blog about growing your own food and buying local and the evils of Monsanto. So she's our friend. Uh, and then we have a, a, like a, a ton of two nickels on the dime. I can read them now or I can read them at the end of the show or we can just go for it. It's going to take me a couple minutes. Yeah, I, uh, I, let's just go for it. I, I, and there is a lot of people. These people all donated fifty-five times. And, and, and as we go through them, there's, Adam's going to interrupt me, and because some of them made some commentary, that's worth talking about. Yeah, down near the bottom. Okay, Thomas Hagen, Bruce Classen, Matthew McGreevy, Charles Anderson, Independent Programming, Christopher Scalenda, Kim Laquise, Laquise, I'm guessing she's from Edmonton, Thomas Gallucci. Joseph Ransom, Brad Doherty, James McLemore, Robert Newton, Kevin Wood, Jeffrey Glennon, Todd Webster, Charles LePage, A.J. Tissier, Rodney Staben, Kevin Webb, Consolidated Creativity at Stewartsville, New Jersey, uh, Julian Crowley, David John Drew, Robert Gold, Lee Scarbeck, uh, Edward Hillman, Carl Penfield, Brian Pollock, or Pollock? No, it'd be Pollock. Let me scroll up. Uh, Keith Bradshaw, Christopher Lindhartson, Shalom Brody, Gordon Federu. This is a tough one. This is F E D O R I W. Fedora, ooh, I don't know. That's in it's North Carolina. I don't know. Uh, anyway, thanks, Gordon. David Eichler or Ickler Eichler, Gerald Baxter, Kashif Hussein, Frank Furt, Gerald Gione in London, Ontario. Uh, Paul Donlin, Scott Bullen, Twisted Lemon, Kelly Spears, Jason Denon, Lawrence McBride, Tom Diggle, Jay Picard, or Picard, Sean Cumro, K-U-M-M-R-O-W, Stephen Staff, Andrew Brewer, Eric Shearer, Ben uh, Monahan, geez, Adam Hansen, Jonas Olson, uh, Michael Maya Tico, Another Canadian. Let me scroll up. Needless to say, it was quite successful. Everyone's celebrating. Christ, uh, Christoph Schulbrother. Schottel Dre. Schottel Dre. <laughs> what? This is just humorous. I mean, this is. Schottel Dre. The whole show could be you trying to pronounce people's names. And it hey, would all be the names. These are, that's a German guy. He's in, uh, he's in Falling Bostel. Keep it coming, man. Go, Jim go, Reed, go. Jim Reed, John Christenbury, and Anastasia Treckles, uh, Stephen Woodring, Mark Borghese, Michael Sorensen, Dan Denenzi, Denenzo, Dan Denenzo, Jersey, Anna Jason, or it could be Jason. Uh, Nathan Reinick got that one. Jason Petri, Geek Rolling. Huh. Uh, what is Geek Rolling? Trevor Chapman, Marco Friesen, Julian Cooper, Peter Scharmuller, Mike Hansen, Richard Chepias, 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 John Vale, Yusef Manzer, Tamayo, Mark Hudik, Fred Kramer, David Overbeck, Christopher Lemon, No Agenda Design. David Jackson, Gary Later, Tom, James Sutton, into the third minute. Uh, I hope you guys, these are all going to be posted, by the way. Um, Shane Brady, Ray Fleischman, Rich, a lot of people wanted to be, these are all Minutemen now. 
Mark Bodiford, our old friend. David C. Pugh, Randy Asher, of course, uh, our great artist. Sir Randy. Sir Randy. It should be in here. Somebody left it out. Nicholas Wallace, Tony Drews, Michael Tadlock, William Stewart, David Desborough, or Dayborough, Troy Walters, and here's one. Is you? Why don't you pronounce this? W e b w r k Webrick, Tom Bushy, Scuba Vision Productions in Boston, Massachusetts. Eric Nigel, David Eckersley, Carl Patterson, uh, Daniel Rudolph, Larry Baldwin, Carl Barron, Andrew Schmidt, Arnold S. Nicole S. Arnold. Should I take so, over? Will it make no, no, let better? me finish. Then we can take, you can start to jump in when we get. I'm almost well, done. We're there. Yeah. Uh, Greg Wilcox, Gregory Wilcox, Philip Evans, Thomas Reed, Stephen Boy, uh, Boe, Anthony Marco, and David Redderer. And then we have some people with commentary. Lai Chow. Yeah. This two nickels and a dime contributions on behalf of my grandmom who was hospitalized for a heart condition. Hope the no agenda karma will make her healthier again. John and Adam, keep up the good work. We do have a uh, karma club page going up. Yeah, noagendakarma.com. Yeah, noagendakarma.com. For people who get jobs because they, they help us out. Jeff Hewlett, Tim Lurvey, Martin Osterhout. Uh, uh, Osterhout, thanks, for, uh, thanks to the Making Work Pay tax credit. I got the first tax refund I've gotten in 20 years, so here's a portion of it for hookers and blow. Thank yeah. you very much. Actually, I think a I lot think, of these. Are- I think you can get a hook for fifty-five dollars and ten cents. I don't think you get a full hooker, just a hook. Uh, Andrea Garnier. These a lot of these are from last yeah. week. So a- Andrea <laughs> says, "Happy double nickels on the dime day." Thanks for the birthday wishes, John. You made my day. Thanks for the kind words about my name. I'm kind of partial to it myself. Probably not the sexiest woman in Canada, but I am so glad my husband thinks I am. That's Andrea Garnier. Garnier. Yes. Uh, uh, Chris, Chris Abram, Abram. Uh, Bob Rathmel, thanks for the show. Had trouble logging on, logging on to Dvorak.org. Maybe it was just me. Satellite connection, not too bad. Tell Adam uh, that I've heard of therapeutic vaccines for over 15 years. I think the definition changed long ago to be what John said, a shot. I'm not an expert. I think they're supposed to work by boosting the body's immune response. Yeah, we're all over all of the vaccine things. Uh, appreciate Adam's concerns that HIV is a conspiracy, but I think he might be oversimplifying. Please go look at houseofnumbers.com. Uh, Joseph Cotran, Keith Novak, uh, another Minuteman, James Blank, happy double nickels on the dime day. As a college student, some extra karma is always good, especially since finals are next week. Edwin Yantis, Neil Lemmy, uh, Robert... Luiano, one of the first few episodes, Adam said he would never beg for money like Leo. Tell Adam he's a douchebag. And he should suck it. More donations to come, though. Love the show. <laughs> Chris Johnson, Michael Bellina, Robert Hegedus. 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 You're not any better than I am. Let me read his note. He's got an interesting thing to say. In January, he called out two of his friends as douchebags. Once donated, one donated immediately and has since started making more money at work. Uh, joined the Karma Club. The other didn't donate and has since gotten a DUI, laid off, <laughs> food poisoning, and maybe losing a toenail. <laughs> Lewis, don't donate. Lose a toenail. There I you go. I think he has had enough. I am <laughs> donating on behalf of Ryan Turner. Please de douche him. <laughs> You've been de-douched. So he can get his karma back again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where are we? Uh, David uh, Schneider? 
Is that where we are? No, you're after Hegedus. You're just Jeffrey Ad- Ad- Atkins. I've lost track. John. 136. Oh, wow. We're, we're only there? Yeah, uh, we got Jeffrey, uh, yeah, right. So Jeffrey Akins, I think it is. Kevin Hartle. Then we have Juan Francisco. And my spreadsheet, is it Mendez? Yeah, Mendez. Oh, man, there's more to it. Coelho. With a monthly subscription, what is that? Uh, I'm a listener from the Canaries. Support the monthly subscription. Yes, we appreciate that very much. Uh, tell Adam thanks for reading my mail regarding the Canary Islands. After you predicted the next earthquake machine, well, I'd still keep my head down if I were you, Juan Francisco. Jesse Simonin. Todd Simons. I'm a knight, Sir Todd, but I don't expect to be addressed as such until I kick in the last 150 after my next pay so I can get the drawn swords. And all that jazz with my second knighthood. Holy crap. Jeffrey van den Brekel. Ben Dotson. uh, From Tulsa. uh, Stephen Farmer. Hoping for double karma on this double nickels day. Double nickels witching day. I hate PayPal. I'll do a recurring donation if there's an alternative. I'll send him some EFT information. Uh, David Schneider. Jeroen Sloat. Uh, Daniel Robitaille from Canada, Edward Jacobs. Yeah, I know. Joseph Baraka. <laughs> you know, we should, you know what, John? We shouldn't be doing these because this takes up half the freaking show. I know. We got to extend the show today a little bit. It's too late now. Yeah. Tom Shrek donating double nickels on the dime for two reasons. One, to hopefully get some karma for my stepkids who are having a really tough time. Two, it's my sister Dawn's birthday today. We mentioned that. Cool day to have a birthday. This is her present. I was on the fence to donate until a group of people passed my desk. I heard the phrase, in the morning, three times. Must be a sign. Look forward to following up on the good karma. Uh, Eric Payne. That's uh, for D. Boone. For D. Boone, right. Uh, Peter White. Lighten up, Adam. Get out from under your cloud of hash. Well, dude, haven't smoked for over a year. Mrs. N. Fitzgerald, donating on behalf of Ty Fitzgerald from his lovely wife, Natasha, from Koya Beach, Queensland, Gitmo Nation Down Under. Start of our tourist season, so hopefully our shop will start to raise some money. I hope so, too. Stephen Pelsmarkers, uh, Sir, Sir Stephen, seeing as how it's double nickels on the dime day today. In the morning to you both. Thank you, Stephen. Lee Starks, love the show. Lee in Green Bay. Paul Michelle, straight out of Free State Project. Also, you guys are damn wrong about immigration policy in Arizona. If you want crime to go down, stop drug prohibition. I think we both kind of agree with we that. We say that. Yeah. Marsha Winters, Matthew Moss, Mike Scalora, hoping for some good karma. Want to get in on episode 200.5 special. <sighs> and don't read the name on the show one coming up. No, just eaglefans.com. I-G-G-L-E-P-H-A-N-S dot com. We have Anonymous. <laughs> Why do we even have to read that? Anonymous. Anonymous. Thomas <laughs> Kanan needed to, to join the N.A. Army, so stop being a... Douchebag. Bermiol Jean from France. Hey, wanted to give 33, 0.33 euros. I hope the lucky three will help me find the right job, as I don't remember who pays taxes with PayPal. I'm also enlisting as a Minuteman. Please do continue the show. It's helping me bear the life in my cubicle. And because I hear those are now in limited quantities, please expose me as a douchebag for not giving earlier. Douchebag! Or being able to convert any of my friends, co-workers to your podcast. Always a delight to hear you speak about us in any language. Bon matin, Jean Bagnol. 
<clears throat> Steve Whiteside. We're finishing up here. Eric Ortega, Mike Westerfield, Tristan Lennon, Chris Abram, Mike Westerfield, Travis Wynn, Hans Peter Fjeld from Oslo, Norway. Love you guys. Looking forward to a third show a week. Uh, Henry, need some job mojo. We'll keep you posted. Hookers and blow. FTW, please let my brother Morton in London know that he is a douchebag. Morton, you're a douchebag. Yeah. Thomas Lee, Adam and John, I'm a student at UCL. Thought what better use of my last 33 and 54 pounds before my student loadings come in. Currently, I'm helping a conservative party candidate with his online stuff. Uh, he'll give me a cash bonus. So if you plug at a lot for Halifax, that's a Twitter address. A-L-L-O-T number four Halifax. I need to get 850 followers. Then he'll send us another $50 bonus. Crikey, John, does this shit ever stop? We can't, uh, well, That was we the last one. It just, just stopped. Was that it? Yeah. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. Was the rest it? of them were like, you know, people gave us five bucks. <sighs> All right. Well, that was a promotion. So once in a while, we need some extra money. Well, this actually and we worked, and, I, and I'm very happy. And I, I thank all of you for, first of all, understanding the gag. Second of all, understanding that this really helps. This is good. This is really highly appreciated. Uh, this is great support. And, uh, and, of course, everyone who's still on the $5 a month. And there's like a whole bunch of other things that... Uh, that I didn't get to. Crap, that really pisses me off. I, I, there's just one other I wanted to mention. Then, hi Adam, my wife and Deb, my wife Deb and I enjoy No Agenda. We often play it in our restaurant. I hook up my iPhone to a small pirate radio transmitter, play the live stream, or download the podcast to spread the word when I can. <coughs> Deb and I thought it'd be most excellent karma to donate 10% off of our Wednesday and Thursday sales uh, for Hookers and Blow. I put a link on our homepage. Give a shout out to anyone and uh, in and around Indianapolis coming on Wednesday or Thursday, the month of May. Get a gift certificate. Ten percent goes to No Agenda. You can go to Zydeco's.net for their Zydeco. Zydeco's restaurant. Z-Y. Where are they? They're in Indianapolis. Actually, they're in Mooresville, Indiana. Oh, <sighs> nice Dvorak, countryside. Dvorak.org/na. Uh, to support the show. We're going to get nothing next week now. <laughs> People are going to be like, we're, these, we're gonna these get guys them. raked it in. They're rolling in they the dough. They too much money. We, yeah, you know, they don't need anything. Yeah, the show sucked. It was all and nothing by the but way, donations. Uh, let me mention to people, we also have the Deuce Club still underway for the Celebrate the 200th show, and there's going to be a big webpage listing everyone who joined the Deuce Club. So that's $200. Please continue that. And I, because we did have a good, uh, because we did a promotion, we got a lot of extra donors this week, but I will mention now, it should be bone dead easy to get uh, an executive producer role next week. Yeah, that's true. So, all right. Um, anyway. There's a couple of things we can do. Uh, there's only two topics I, wa- I really need to discuss. Uh, one is the continuation of trains because they're really turning up the heat. And the other, of course, is the oil rig. And, I, and that, that's a little longer uh, conversation. Do you, I mean, what, what do you have, John? Do you, I mean, the train thing is just, it's just humorous. Um, well, the train thing has got getting to the point of being ridiculous. And the fact that people you know, keep mentioning it as, as a likely possibility. And for anyone who hasn't heard our theories on the train thing, my particular thing is that the whole train thing is a setup to promote travel by train. But in fact, it's to promote freight by train. And somebody wants to pick up, they want the government to pick up the uh, tab. improving the, the tab. 
the tab. And meanwhile, Warren Buffett becomes even richer because he bought Burlington Northern. Well, so we had Warren Buffett being interviewed by MSNBC or CNBC on a train. But of course, you have to know that National Train Day is May 8th, John. National Train Day! When did that happen? This is such a setup. People should be really annoyed with their government. Well, so uh, the reason why it's important for us to talk about this, and we can keep flogging this dead horse forever, but I'm going to get off the trains after this show. So then in a year or so, we'll just do another We Told You So, and we'll be done with it, okay? Yeah, I don't think, unless something really weird happens, we're not going to do any more train stuff. So this is um, the reason why I think it's important. One, you have to understand how this works, how the media is infiltrated, how you are taught, how you are mind-controlled and programmed that planes are bad, trains are good. Air travel bad, hassle, trains good. And... And the the way the media is manipulated, 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 the way that is done is phenomenal to watch. Remember, the guys Hill and Knowlton are behind this. And if you think it only happens with trains, then you're kidding yourself. But it's fun to watch. And once you know what to look out for, you just keep stumbling over stuff. And it's and it actually makes you happy. So amongst all of the <laughs> no, it does. Amongst all of the depressing crap that we talk about on this show, you can actually smile and go, oh, well, there they go again. I know how it works. So first of all, the, they're very smart. They're bringing in celebrities now. So they brought in Tay Diggs, who is, uh, of course, uh, he was in How Stella Got Her Groove Back. Uh, He's a Broadway actor. And he is the spokesperson for uh, National Train Day. Uh, (laughs) And I agree with John that this is about moving goods. Always look at Warren Buffett. The guy hasn't gone wrong in a long time. It's about moving goods, not about moving people. And I'll tell you why it's not about moving people. Because everyone's always talking about how incredibly great it is and China and it's oh so sophisticated. A little story from 2006. You remember that adult diaper sales were soaring in China because these poor schmucks who can only take the train now are packed into these trains and they can't take a crap so they have to wear diapers. <laughs> and that's in the show notes, noagendashow.com. There's your... Trains in China story. Yeah, trains in China. So anyway, here's uh, here's our uh, our spokesman now for <laughs> National Train Day, uh, Tay Diggs. Hey everyone, Tay Diggs here, inviting Yay. you to join me in celebrating the third annual National Train Day on Saturday, May eighth. My love of trains began when I was a kid, and that magic I felt during my first train ride has stayed with me all my life. That's what National Train Day is all about. It's a celebration of America's love of trains through fun free events taking place nationwide. That's what it's all about, John. It's a celebration for our love of trains. I, you know, I didn't realize I love trains until this morning when, when huh. Tay reminded me of it. I'll be in New York City on Friday, May 7th, to kick off the National Train Day events with a special unveiling at Penn Station. After that, I'll be boarding the train to Washington, D.C. to host festivities at Union Station on Saturday. Join me in New York or D.C., or check out the great events in Chicago, L.A., and Philly, as well as other events around the country. Yeah. Each signature event will feature exclusive train oh. tours, model train displays, yeah. interactive exhibits, hands-on yeah. activities for kids, live yeah. cooking demonstrations, Ooh. 
musical performances, and so much more. Yes. So you have to see live Nash- cooking demonstrations oh, yes. at a moving train. Is that what I mean? <laughs> well, the sponsor is uh, Subway. You got to go to nationaltrainday.com and you to really believe it. But now here's what's happening. So Hill and Knowlton, of course, have the uh, have the job of getting people to buy into trains. So, yeah, so we spend so we, so we have our to, hard-earned taxpayers' money. Yes, so we have to discredit plane travel. And I, this is what I've been all over. Uh, and I, I believe a big part of, of hassling people, we even heard the president say on Sunday's show that, hey, you won't have to take your shoes off, and we, we know what that's about, that stupid plane travel. We know it sucks. We've got antiquated airways. So uh, this, of course, has to get into the psyche of the American people. So we have this fine program called Modern Family, uh, aired last night uh, on ABC. And uh, on this episode, uh, they're going on a family trip. A family trip, and they're going by air to Hawaii. But listen to how much oh, it's such a hassle to fly. Flying sucks. Some choice clips from the program. We've been over this. Air travel is incredibly safe. I know, I know. But at the end of the day, it is still building on its side, being thrown from one place to another. With a movie. Not helping. <laughs> That's right. It's still a building on its side, flying through the air from side to side. But wait, there's more. Dramamine, oh, I wish I had that the last time I flew. I'll tell you, the plane was rocking up and down, back and forth. I thought the wings were going to snap off. That's right. Wings are going to snap what? off. What? You're going to throw up. And here's the best. Here's this little 13-year-old kid with a TSA because it's a hassle to fly. Excuse me, ma'am. Is this Manny Delgado? Yes. Your son's name is on a no-fly list. Hi, please. We've been through this at the check-in. He's not the same Manny Delgado. I'm just a boy trying to bring style back to travel. We just have a few questions to ask. No, this is a mistake. What is my husband? Wait. Step this way, ma'am. Yay! Ma'am, ma'am, Yay. step this way, please. Son. No pushing. Yay! Right this way, slave. So the whole episode is about how horrible it is to fly. The whole episode. Yeah, I'd rather take the train to Hawaii. I know that's the best part. That's the best part. And it's so, so now you'll just watch it. You'll just watch continuously. You'll see all this train stuff, and we'll play. We told you so in a year or so. When uh, when the big promise of trains is really to move stuff. It may be used to move people to the FEMA for a while. camps. To the FEMA for a while camps. until they look at the numbers. I mean, yeah. they're, they're going to do it just for a showpiece, and they say, "Well, you know, nobody's really interested." So there you go. So I visited, when I was in New Orleans, I visited the Lower Ninth Ward. Tell us about that. This was the uh, the area destroyed by the breaking of the levee. Yeah. Not by Katrina, but by the breaking of the levee, which was yeah. built by the Army Corps of Engineers yeah. and was... Uh, they keep reporting safe. on it. Oh, the Ninth Ward, and they show movies, and there's all this destruction. It's dead. Nothing's been done, and this, you know, the media plays this up. It's a good story every once in a while. You go down there, you send a reporter, they wander around. And I have, will say, there's a couple of streets where there's a bunch of abandoned buildings. But turn around... There's a guy, the house has been completely rebuilt. He's mowing his lawn. There's people all over the place. It's not abandoned like it's, they show on the TV. They show, you know, I got a couple of great signs. I took a picture of a sign that says Flood Street. I thought, they, I don't know how they missed that one. And, uh, <laughs> That's and, funny. 
Yeah, I, I got a kick out of it. But it's like, uh, you know, there's a couple broken down things. And the buildings that were left that are essentially been abandoned because, you know, people left town and moved someplace else. And they took their insurance money if they had any. And they just left because it was not worth the trouble. And the places are, 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 are just falling over. And the, But it's just not what is going on. The, the place is back. People are living all over the place. Many of the streets are completely fixed up. Uh so why, no, so why is this being portrayed as a complete barren wasteland? Crap. Hmm. And when I was coming back, people on the airplane were talking about this. Yeah, I, see, I got to go to the Ninth Ward and it looked fine. Huh. Well, that's interesting. I thought so. Huh. And I if you go one little about. couple streets down where you leave the Ninth Ward into another ward, which is also flooded, the, the, the entire area has been completely rebuilt. And there's construction crews everywhere. And there's people roaming around. There's people in their front yard playing baseball. I mean, it's just it's bogus what you see. What they're showing you on the television is bullcrap. Interesting. I, I, I wouldn't mind understanding why that is. It's a good story. Right. And, so, and the wrecked buildings are pretty cool looking. They're all really wrecked. <laughs> it is kind of cool, isn't it? <laughs> and it's like, wow, this place is a mess. I got a, an awesome uh, commercial from uh, Pennsylvania. You know what? Uh, so tax day and the the date for paying is now kind of gone. So if you haven't paid your taxes now, you're going to get penalties and interest. And how does that work, by the way? So they're going to charge you interest on what you owe. And they have a commercial running in Pennsylvania, which blew my mind. I mean, it's it's it's. How, it, did they mean this as a, as a joke or or is it for real? I mean, it is real because of course you have an a, an amnesty period. Where they'll uh, give you a break. They're like, you know, they're like debt collectors, like the repo man. Listen to their commercial it's, it's, airing it's, it's, in touch Your name is Tom. You live just off of Fifth Street. Nice car, Tom. Nice house. What's not so nice is you owe Pennsylvania $4,212 in back taxes. Listen, Tom, we can make this easy. Pay online by June 18th, and we'll skip your penalty and take half off your interest. Because, Tom... We do know who you are. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. And it's a whole Google map, and they're zooming into his house with, like, a target, like, crosshairs. You're kidding. No. And somebody approved this? Yeah, this is an actual ad running in Pennsylvania. Find us before we find you. Paytaxup.com. A P-A-Taxpayup.com. Unbelievable. I mean, it, why don't you just get more sinister? About, just portray the government even a more sinister way. Isn't that outrageous? Uh, I, it's, I find it to be, uh, huh, this is unbelievable. <laughs> How do the people of Pennsylvania put up with that? They should, why don't you vote out your governor? You know, this is the thing that's going on. In fact, they have the, uh, they're, of course, they're playing this up as much as they can. Look in the hey. clips to play the Tea Party uh, stuff. This is the meme that they're going to be pushing for a while. Hold on a second. My mic fell. The, the thing that's going on is they're, they're... I'm glad we got so much money I can buy a new mic stand. Yeah, yeah. instead of that <laughs> toilet paper roll you it's use. It's not the toilet paper roll. Which one am I playing here? 
You're playing the Tea Party in Clips 2. Oh, okay. I already closed the folder. Yes, here we go. Tea Party. Ourselves. And our top political story tonight, signs that Tea Party candidates may not quite be voters' cup of tea. Uh, Two of three hard-fought Senate primaries yesterday in Indiana and Ohio went to mainstream Republican candidates. Ohio's race yet to be decided, but the Republican establishment not breathing a sigh of relief just yet. Take a listen. Three big states held primaries last night, and those allegedly angry voters could have stormed the polls in droves and thrown out the bums. In the key Republican races, there were two in Indiana especially. Uh, the incumbents won. Now, their margin of victory was more narrow, but the Tea Party movement didn't throw the bums out, as you said. Yeah. So you got to ask, how much muscle are they going to have come November when they say they're going to take down some Democrats? It seems they're more successful in forcing retirements than getting voters to the ballot box. A big name on Capitol Hill announcing his retirement today. David Obie, Democrat from Wisconsin, chairman of the formidable House Appropriations Committee, leaving after 41 years in the House of Representatives. Anybody think that maybe he's quitting not because of the Tea Party, but because he's old? Yeah, and and he was the chair of the uh, the health care bill, right? So no. he, he, yeah, I think he was. I no, he was, he, was. A, he was the chair of the of the finance uh, committee that had to pay for the health care bill somehow. Uh, well, he was heavily involved in the health care bill. Well, whatever the case, he's quitting. But the point is, anyway, the point he's is old. really <laughs> he's old. He's, it's time to go. He's forty one years in the place. He's got to be in his seventies or eighties. But anyway, so. Uh, uh, the, you know, they try to make the Tea Party out to be a bunch of lunatics and crazy people. And then they try to make them out to be racist. And they got a lot of feed kickback on that one, especially when you know we have a lot. There's something like 32 black candidates running as Republicans this this go around. And these 32 black candidates are banking on the Tea Party to get them some votes, which is kind of interesting. But now they had to go to the next step. So they, since nothing's worked is now you have to marginalize them. Oh, they got no power. Big talkers. They couldn't t- turn out the vote if they wanted to. We don't even know the details of who got in and who got well, out. There's no of details on the story. It's just no, a bunch of screaming lunatics. And then they say the Tea Party people got no influence now. So now you, this is the last st- stage they can hope for, which is, oh, Tea Party, I don't know. They're not important anymore. We've gone on to newer things. Yeah. Nothing to see here, folks. Move along. Headline exactly. of the day, John. All right. Marines provide Marjoff farmers with fertilizer and seeds during crucial harvest season. <laughs> How come we're the only two guys who keep pointing this out? Well, see, there's another one that I found, which is kind of interesting from the BBC. So for people who never listened to the show before, which I'm sure there's somebody, if they didn't hang up while we were thanking everybody. Yeah, really. uh, is the fact that the, uh, you know, it's obvious that we're in the poppy growing business. Well, and we're expanding. Uh, U.S. starts anti-Al-Qaeda military exercise in the Sahara. We're expanding. In the, we're now we're in the desert. The three-week Operation Flintlock, huh. Operation Flintlock, aims to improve the ability of the region's armed forces to work together to bring security to the area. It serves as a base, apparently, for the group Al-Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb and has seen increased terror attacks. And here it comes... Drug smuggling is also growing. Yeah, it must be a route. We need, to, we need to grab the route. <laughs> we need the route. That's exactly yeah, what it's I like thought. It's like a pipeline. We <laughs> need the route. Let me assassinate a Toyota commercial for you for a second, of course. By the way, uh, we didn't talk about it on a previous show. I had it in the notes. Uh, production for Toyota cars, all-time high now, record high. 
I'm like, how does how does that work? <laughs> well, they they did have to. By the way, here's a couple of things about the, the Toyota deal. One, where uh, how, the news on Toyotas being crazy is dried up completely. Well, uh, let's rekindle it with this commercial. See if you can spot the crazy thing they're saying. I really love this. This is a safety first commercial. Over the past 50 years, Toyota has been proud to be a model of quality car making. But recently, the safety of our cars and trucks has come under question. And at Toyota, this is something we don't take lightly. That's why we're making fundamental changes inside our company to communicate with customers better and respond to their needs faster. In addition, we're currently spending over a million dollars an hour to enhance the technology and safety of our vehicles. Uh, I just will stop it there. A million dollars an hour? That doesn't make any logical sense. There, it's in a commercial. Listen, a million dollars an hour. I got to play it again. Over a million dollars an hour to enhance the technology and safety of our vehicles. I mean, how do you calculate that? This is like jobs created or saved. (laughs) A million dollars. And shouldn't they have a little asterisk that says actual money spent based on calculation? This is like a billion dollars over just a month or two. This is bogus. But it's in a commercial. Why are they even saying that? It's in a commercial. I don't know. This is... Hey, look, production's at an all-time high. Something's working. Yeah, well, they had to go and they started put all their cars on sale. That helped quite a bit. And they did get a lot of attention. A lot of people came out and defended them. I mean, Toyota makes, you know, by many standards, the best cars anybody makes. I really had to laugh at this uh, article in the Telegraph. So uh, Telegraph actually, you know, they do report, and I'm sure the guy said it. Uh, but I have not had, it came in this morning, so I've had no time to get any cross-references on it. This is uh, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, president oh, of Iran. Oh, yeah. I actually, I may have, Let me just read it to you. Yeah, I don't have the clip. Uh, oh, yeah, he, he, they have a clip in English of him saying it? No, he's saying it, and then they were translating it. Okay. Um, he says, Osama bin Laden is not in Tehran. He, in fact, is living in Washington, D.C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the clip. Uh, I love it. He says, yeah, and they gas him again. What's his name? Stephanopoulos says to him, you're, you're kidding me, right? And he says, no, no. I'm pretty sure he's living in Washington. Yeah, no, he says, uh, he says, and at one look, time he says with his buddy Bush. Yeah, that's exactly what he says. He was the previous, which is true. He was the previous partner of Mr. Bush, referring to George W. They were colleagues, in fact, in the old days. You know that. They were in the oil business together. They worked together. Mr. Bin Laden never cooperated, cooperated with Iran, but he cooperated with Mr. Bush. He said he's in Washington, living the high life, hookers and blow. Hey, all he needs is a shave. Who's going to know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who the hell is going to know? Except that he's tall. So uh, I, you we, know, just, we should talk briefly, since you were kind of in that region about Tennessee, because I find the uh, the underreporting of Tennessee to be irritating. This is a this is a huge disaster. See, it's particularly irritating. Yeah, but it, this is a huge disaster. Oh. I mean, this it flooded and, the Grand Ole Opry Hotel, which nobody ever thought would anything like that would ever happen. And I have a list of 25 reports. You're going to laugh at me of chemtrails over Tennessee before this happened. Yeah. Well, and, I can't. In this case, there's nothing to laugh at. This is not uh, this. I, I don't know where you're going with this one. 
Well, I'm uh, I'm just saying that it's. I don't know that. Oh, well, you mean they were seeding the clouds? Yeah. Yep, seeding the clouds. And, and just like so tons to, to of what people. end to why do you want to flood out Tennessee out of the blue? I don't know, but it, it worked. And the Red Cross, this is also irritating. You remember the uh, the Haiti text ten dollars to to uh, save Haiti? Yeah. So uh, it's the same number nine oh nine 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 for Tennessee <laughs> flood number. relief. It's the same number. The Red Cross is taking your taking your money and buying. B- bigger limos. houses, limos, hookers. It's, I, I'm telling you, it's, now luckily Tennessee is the volunteer state, and so they're helping each other out very well. But this is a disaster of epic proportion, and it really doesn't get the play that it should. I think you know everyone's paying. You know, it's like the New York City bomber and all this other stuff. It's no, like, the Arizona. The, the, the most of the news that's not about a disaster is about Arizona, which is bullshit. And then there, then everyone's got the the, oh, the big oil slicks coming in, and they're going to cap it probably in the next few days, and so uh, they'll probably cap it off. It'll probably be like at I don't know, it's at two hundred thousand a day. It's been going on what for five days? Yeah, it's up to a million barrel or million gallons. Well, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of research on uh, on this, and. Uh, we, in fact, I have an insider that I've been working with for hours on end, I might say, during this week. So there's so much to talk about that I'm not, I really can't do it because you have Well, then to, let's put it off and we'll do it well, when we get all the no, data. All no, the no, 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 no. I have, this is something, what I, what I meant to say is it's a, th- a recurring theme that will have to continue uh, throughout probably throughout the existence of this program, because this oil cabal, as I'm calling it, and as it's titled in the show notes, has been set up before I was born. And I have to take you back to Zug, Switzerland for a moment. Back to Zug. Back to Zug, Switzerland. And we discussed on this show um, the uh, pinkest green. Do you remember this? Just that the money that's been stashed away? No, it's a guy. Oh, it's, there's two guys: Pincus Green and Mark Rich. And oh the, yeah, okay. And so Pincus Green was the uh, commodities oil trader who was thrown in jail uh, for trading with Iran and for other fraud. And it was the uh, it was the most controversial presidential pardon probably in history when Bill Clinton pardoned the guy. Okay. Now I Pink, thought it was Mark, that other guy that was pardoned by Clinton. Uh, no. Wasn't it Mark Rich? No, no, or no, whatever? Both, both of them. Both of them. Here it is. Green received a controversial presidential, presidential pardon along with Mark Rich from Bill Clinton in 2001. So have you ever heard of Glencore? Uh, no. This is the biggest company you've never heard of. Glencore International AG which is the company owned and, well, he has uh, private investors, uh, owned and run by Mark Rich and Pink is Green, Swiss-based company, of course. Uh, they're located in Zug. Is, I'm um, looking at Wikipedia here, one of the largest suppliers of commodities and raw materials, also among the world's largest privately held companies, 50,000 employees. 50,000 employees. 
And this, and when you start looking into this company, it blows your mind. So here's a guy who was a crook, and he was thrown in jail. Clinton basically gave him a get-out-of-jail-free card. And now we know why. Because when you follow all of the steps, the next thing you get to is the First Reserve Corporation, which is a private equity fund. And that's, of course, where everyone's putting their money in. And this... Uh, uh, Glencore is going to go public in a year or two. It's going to be the biggest IPO ever. These guys will will own the the effing world. And when you start to dig into this oil spill, there is absolutely no motivation to have this thing cleared up quickly. In fact, when you start reading the memes and you start looking at all of the news, not just the, well, of course, it started with, oh, BP's got to clean this up. BP is, oh, they're responsible. Well, they're not. It's Transocean. We talked right. about Right. You it. might as well play the clip that I have of this BP CEO saying just that so we can assure people. Okay. And then I'm going to tell you a little bit about BP. Does the buck stop at your desk? Well, we weren't, uh, it wasn't our accident, but we are absolutely responsible for the oil, for cleaning it up, and that's what we intend to do. How can it not be We're your accident, We're working very sir? hard to, well, the, the drilling rig was a Transocean drilling rig, but it was their rig and their equipment that failed, run by their people with their processes. So they've already received $401 million insurance payout, link in the show notes, Transocean that is. They've already received the insurance money. But you have to understand two things. One, who is in charge of BP? Well, BP is owned by banks. It's, it's, it's not like some you know, private company of a bunch of British guys who just started an oil company. No, it's owned by banks. And Lord Brown is the uh, group uh, chief executive. He is uh, a non-executive director of Goldman Sachs. Peter Sutherland, non-executive director of BP, rejoined the board in 95. His other interests include chairmanship of Goldman Sachs. So this is just to indicate to you that this is the, the, the oil cabal goes, it's just banks. That's all it is, is banks. And it's banks and trading. And as I said, the whole setup is this. We want to, we want Obama to stop production, which he has done. We want this thing to be uh, a huge a huge disaster and oh we're going to stop all oil drilling because what happens is the price of oil goes up and this was on a perfect track but somebody messed up this is the funniest thing ever so i'm watching the price of oil and then all of a sudden and this is on uh when is this the third of may some bonehead jeff childs comes out on fox and says hey it looks like we're slowing it down Boom, you could see the price of oil drop like $5 immediately. <laughs> and then the, and then the same guy, this BP guy, uh, Doug Suttles, he comes out and says, Oh, no, that's not true. That's not true. You would see me doing cartwheels down the hallway if that were actually the case. No, 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 it's not going to happen. It's going to take months to fix this. Months, I tell you. Price of oil starts to go back up again. They are taking the oil from Russia, having it refined in China, shipping it over to Rotterdam. It's being stored on barges. They're going to run the price of oil up to $100-plus a barrel. 
And then they're just going to pop all these barges open. They're going to make a shitload of money, and then they're going to do it all over again. This has been going on for years. Yeah, they did it, like, what, a year or two ago. Exactly the same thing. thing. And then there's all these, and this is how your media is working for you. So, um, well, the satellites can't, this is, I got a couple of these links. The satellites can't see the oil slick, because, you know, we're not really seeing any pictures. All you're seeing is fire. Pictures of fire. This thing is already at the bottom of the ocean, and we're still being shown pictures of the fire. Oh, well, the satellite can't really show you how big the oil slick is because the oil is sinking under the water. What? Oil is lighter than water. It floats. It floats. And they're literally saying, well, we can't see it on the satellite because uh, it's sinking a little bit because of the waves. Sorry, that's bullcrap. This is absolutely not true. Now, who's actually going to pay for this? You have to go back to the Oil Pollution Act of 1990, specifically the Oil Spill Liability Trust Fund, a $2.7 billion trust fund, which was set up during the Bush administration. And all of this is going to be paid for from this fund that the Treasury is running. So guess who paid for it? Yes, you and I. The liability of Transocean and this is all in the documents that I put in the show notes, is to is only for the rig itself. This is in the law. They have to clean up the rig and the immediate area of the rig. They are not responsible for the fish, for the, for the shore, for any lost business. All of that will come out of the fund. And it's here. It's the law. It's part of the Oil Pollution Act. This has yeah. been set up years ago. Yeah, I, there's also some sort of cap of 75 million on certain things, and and to show you how how stupid it is, even the uh, the alternative media. So there was a joke on um, Huffington Post. This guy Andy Borowitz, and he writes all kinds of crazy stories. Let me give you an example of uh, some of his. He, he he's a comedy writer. Um, he writes for the New Yorker and the New York Times, and so he wrote a story which was posted on Huffington Post, uh, the Borowitz report. In what is looming as yet another public relations predicament for Goldman Sachs, the banking giant admitted today that it made a substantial financial bet against the Gulf of Mexico one day before the sinking of an oil rig. New revelations came to light after government investigators turned up new emails from uh, Goldman employee Fabrice Fabulous Fab Touré in which he bragged to a girlfriend the firm was taking a big short position on the Gulf. One oil rig goes down, we're going to be rolling in dough, Mr. Torrey wrote in one email. Suck it, fishies and birdies. So, of course, this is a joke. But this is posted on Alex Jones's Infowars.com, David Icke's website, Rensa.com, like, oh, Goldman Sachs bet against the Gulf. That's total bullshit. But these guys posted it like it was real. Are you kidding me? A comedy writer. No, I'm not. A comedy guy did this thing. A comedy guy. And it was posted as real news. Oh. Yeah. It's total bull crap. And it got posted everywhere. Oh, my God. Switch batteries. You know, that's the uh, one of the things when the guy who likes to listen to our show and he mentions he likes us better than uh, uh, some of these other shows that do this kind of or try to do this sort of deconstruction, they mention Alex Jones. Yeah. I've always found Alex Jones to be a, a, something of a phony. Well, so, uh, you know, but this, this just shows you, and, I, and I, don't, you know, I, I get a lot of information from these sites as well, but when it's just cross-posted everywhere, I'm like, okay, so no one is actually paying any real attention. 
But the real meme, and you can watch and you can latch on to this, is um, in fact, I think I have the president saying it because he's on board with this. President Obama is on board. You know, all these guys gave him money. The whole idea is to stop drilling. The whole idea is to run up the price of oil so these people can make, these elitist dickheads can make a crapload of money. And so it's now, even though we have absolutely no proof, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying I'm happy with it. But is this the massive disaster of epic proportions of all time ever? I don't know about that. Now, I think the American people are now aware, certainly the folks down in the Gulf are aware, that we're dealing with a massive and potentially unprecedented environmental disaster. The oil that is still leaking from the well could seriously damage the economy and the environment of our Gulf states, uh, and it could extend uh, for a long time. It could jeopardize the livelihoods of thousands of Americans who call this place home. So, Call this place home. Yes. So... um, the story, and I link to it in the show notes, that was, again, posted everywhere on the same websites, Godlike Productions, Rensa.com, Infowars.com, is the story, unless God steps in and fixes this, no human can. And this is what's being propped. This is the Internet is totally being hijacked. And, and this one I actually caught. Um, and everyone says, oh, we received this letter. Every site starts the same way. I received this letter. Some guy in the know that I know sent me this letter. An engineer who specializes in oil oh, rig technology. Man. Oh, hopes, yeah. Hopes, oh, hopes. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, heard your mention of the oil disaster in the Gulf of Mexico this morning, and you and most everyone else except maybe George Nori are totally missing the boat on how big and bad of a disaster this is. And I have 20, I'm an engineer, 25 years of experience. and So this is, this is totally put in to help you believe that we have to shut down all oil exploration in the Gulf Coast, because I'm going to tell you where it's going to go. It's all going to Brazil. Everything's going to Brazil. They're all moving down there. They're going to shut all this stuff down in the Gulf. Everyone's going to get oil in Brazil. Half a billion dollars invested by this first reserve corp in in a Brazilian oil firm. They're all moving over that way, but they're going to take three months. So what are we today? We're um, May 6th, so May, June, July. So in August, when everything has been shut down in the United States and they've already raped us, uh, at a hundred dollar plus barrel of oil, uh, dollars a barrel per barrel of oil, they're going to bring it down. Oh, where it's all great. Brazil is where it's at. It's all happening. Good. We found oil. It's going to pull back a little bit, and they're going to do it all over again. And this has been going on since the fifties. Yeah. Well, they do a damn good job of it. I, you know, I have to give them credit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, you really do. But it it's important for the listeners of No Agenda to understand that this is really this is really the big game. And how I have proof here. I have financial statements. Well, I have to throw them away officially. Showing the Chinese selling oil that they get from Russia. How crazy is that? The Russians mm-hmm. are selling oil to China. I thought they hated each other. 
They're not. No, it's all, they, it's all families and gangs, and they sell it to Rotterdam. It's going to sit on barges. It's going to float around. Yeah, well, they did that with it when they tried to run it up to two hundred uh, with Goldman Sachs saying it was going to go to two hundred. They had a, they they filled it. They, all the barges were filled. But you know, there's like a, there's like two little groups fighting with each other because the other group is the ones that want to get us off oil, want to get more fuel efficient cars because that puts the screws to these guys who are who are starting to put the oil on barges because you know at some point you you, you can't stop pumping this stuff i mean you can if you blow up the rig mm-hmm. but generally speaking it keeps coming and uh, so you at some point you got to release the oil and the prices drop back down they drop back down pretty precipitously and there's lots of opportunities for shorting by the way during that era my favorite part of uh of this so this is where the uh, so this email is where the two hundred thousand barrels of oil a day came from which you know, there's no scientific evidence that I've no, seen. No, there's. This. We have no idea how much no, there is. But it's Could in be the, the, next it, to nothing. For it's all in we know. this email, and uh, I think this is the email that says the only way we can plug the hole is with a nuke. <laughs> and I'm like, all we need now is Bruce Willis in a, in a deep dive submarine to go down there and plant the nuke to stop it. It's it's what? you're being played. You're just yeah. being played. And by the way, there's no stopping it. Just sit back, relax, and watch it happen. It'll make you happier now that you know how it works. It makes me much happier knowing, and I can just curse under my breath and move on. Cause oh, I yeah, you can be really... the, the grouchy old man cursing under his breath. Well, hey, I... those <laughs> bastards have been doing it this time since the 50s. I know, I know I'm going to be like you. <laughs> exactly. That's the idea. I know I'm going to grow up to be just like You're you. You're using me as a model. <laughs> you, are, you are my role model. Hey, we got to give out three knighthoods before we get too too close to the end. Yes. Okay. Um, who do we have here? Hold on a second. We have Tom Derry, Clancy Childs, and Joseph Willis. Okay. I think this is our first three night day, isn't it? It's a hey it's three a, night it's, day. It's a magic number. Draw thy sword, Sir Dvorak. It's time. Why don't you do the honors uh, today, John? I don't have that pitch you have. Okay, so we start with Tom Derry. Tom Derry. Tom Derry, kneel before us. As we would like to thank you for your support and welcome you to the Knights of the No Agenda Roundtable, we hereby pronounce you Sir Tom Derry, Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. Next. Next. Who's next? Come on over. Clancy Childs. Clancy, come over here. Ooh, that's John's big one. Clancy Childs need to kneel before us. Thanks to your support of over $1,000 to the No Agenda Show, we hereby knight the Sir Clancy Childs. You too shall join us at the roundtable of the No Agenda Knights. And our third candidate for today... Joseph Willis. Joseph Willis. Nice armor, by the way, Joseph. <clears throat> I have to sharpen it up for that one. Joseph Willis, we hereby pronounce thee Sir Joseph Willis, Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. All three of you, join. Your rings are on the way, but for now, enjoy our hookers and blow. And we, la- and, we la- <laughs> and we laugh about it, but wow, do we really appreciate the support of the Knights. We do a lot of things in return for our Knights. We have private conversations. Uh, a lot of them have great insight to things that we know nothing about. They work at interesting places, uh, which is not crazy considering they can afford a thousand bucks. 
to support us. And this program has no advertising. No. So the only way and the only oh. way we can make it work is by doing it this way. All we have is thank yous. Uh, but Which yeah, way? this yeah. is the only way to do the show. If we had advertising, the I, in fact, I have a couple of clips. I'm not going to play them this week where the guy's on a roll and he has to take a break on one of these shows. And, and then the whole thing dies because the energy's gone. And who knows what they're telling the guest in between saying, hey, shut up about that stuff. Jerk. Shut up, slave. And uh, Dvorak.org slash N.A. We really appreciate your help. Uh, Dvorak.org slash N.A. Channel Dvorak.com slash N.A. Or uh, you can also uh, go Dvorak.org slash Deuce if you want to get onto our 200. What episode is this? This is 197. So So in three uh, weeks or three shows from now, uh, we'll be on the, uh, which is, I guess, a Sunday show, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How how about the show notes? Do we have enough people to start sending those out? uh, No, no. We have enough, but we're going to have to change what we're going to do with the show notes. Why? Well, we got a show note guy who's going to put up a website and, and maintain them for us. And uh, I don't know. It's just hard. I, that, we'll have to chat about it so it makes something that makes sense. Well, let no, it be something we talk about. I don't want about. to bore the public. By the way, I've, I've taken some notes for the, uh, for the Deuce show. You want to hear some of my notes of what I think we should talk about? We're going to de- deconstruct our own show. I know. That's, that's what I'm saying. Here, I've All got right. it. I've got uh, how we prep. Uh, we'll this is going to be a short show. <laughs> Please. Are you kidding me? I'm at this all day. Yeah, but that's... No, but that, that, interesting. You're done. You've just told them how we prep. So now what are we going to talk about on the show? <sighs> the benefit of our model, Keep the open source model, how producers help, how we get stories. Um, we're going to yeah. go back to a lot of the genesis of the show. Uh, I actually got the Family Guy episode, Weenie and the Butt. <laughs> which is the most important part. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's our genesis. No, because there's a lot going on here. There's the, there's more than just, I think, an outstanding product that we deliver to people. There's something amazing happening where we uh, were able to start to see some form of sustenance in uh, in making a show work that has no ads, which has traditionally been the only model for media ever, ever. I mean, yeah, there's been some the subscription stuff and there's cable and stuff like that. But for a free to air, anyone can get it. This is a, this is an amazing model, and I'm very proud of it. And, and I'm very proud of the people who are supporting us. And we're we're all a part of something completely new. And, I, and I'm digging that. Yeah, I think so too. And it's a, it's totally open source. We let people do their own thing. We don't, you know, license our brand. If you want to go start a website and do something, we just hope that you you know don't you know defame us. Uh, you can go do whatever you want. You can sell stuff. You can make you can you know sell T-shirts. Uh, Randy's doing that, uh, and there's you can start uh, your own forums. You can do anything you want, and you, you, we don't we don't have trademarks to, that we force down people's throats. We're not picky about. It. We leave it. It's totally open source. And if you and it's value for value. If you want us to keep doing the show, then you help us when we need help. And 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 sustain us as we need sustenance. Wow, Jar- it's just a simple. Did you just say value for value? I said value for value. It's a setup. <laughs> of course, it was. You know that Lloyd Blankfine uh, and we have people on the inside at Goldman Sachs. Uh, Lloyd Blankfine, the fearless leader who was doing God's work. 
he wanted to give every Goldman Sachs employee a copy of Atlas Shrugged. Uh, but he, he decided <laughs> there ag- you have it. There's proof. He decided against it because uh, he felt the, the publicity would be that would be bad. <laughs> well, would. all these hey, guys, got- all these it's a playbook. The only thing they know is there is no John Galt. That's, <laughs> that's the only thing that that's wrong with the whole book is there's, there's no like Who's magic John fix. Galt guy. Yeah. So no I have a, well, I got a bunch of clips left over, yeah. but I have one Let's that play I think a couple should, of good ones. You got some. Good I got ones one fun, one that's kind of interesting. Remember the guy who wrote the book uh, shop class is soul class or something like that. He's oh, talking about, the, how, about shop class being gone. Yeah, being gone and how the system, everything is, is changed and the, you can't get a good education and there are normal themes. Mm-hmm. Well, he had this one kind of what I call a creepy management comment that I think we should all listen to and pay attention to. It's a little long, but it's actually quite uh, pertinent. Okay, here we go. Has it been picked up by business organizations or personnel directors Talk about the book. or managers to, to give to their... You know, um, not that I know staff. of. Um, any business schools using it? I've heard from a couple of professors who um, seemed interested in assigning it to their classes. Um, what do you think about that? Is it a how-to manual? No, it's not a, a how-to manual. Is it a um, management tool? It's, uh, it's deeply critical of um, the very idea of management, actually. Um, as a kind of uh, science of manipulation, which has taken uncanny forms in recent decades. Um, Such as? Well, you know, now the manager appears not so much as a, as a boss, straightforward boss, but as a kind of therapist or life coach. So there's a kind of smarmy quality <laughs> to, um, to a lot of um, contemporary management. Um, it, it often. I mean, I know this mostly from reading sociological literature on on management. I I haven't um, been subjected to to that in recent uh, years. But the picture that emerges is um, that it's uh, it's like authority can't present itself straightforwardly as authority coming down from a superior. It has to present itself as sort of friendly. Uh, volunteerism, very egalitarian, which just, I think, makes it all the more kind of creepy. Yeah, let's all hold hands and tell each other a secret. Exactly. Uh, you know, uh, uh, this is a good point for, uh, for me to mention a book, uh, which uh, we'll list at uh, com. Uh, it's a free book. You can download the PDF. It's called The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America by Charlotte Thompson Iserbite. Iserbite, I think it's pronounced. It's a Barnes & Noble number one bestseller, but uh, now being given away, given away for free in PDF at uh, DeliberateDumbingDown.com. And it's fantastic. It is, it, she totally deconstructs how our schools are deliberately making our children stupid. And even <laughs> uh, we, we even got Randy S., listener of No Agenda since episode one, Wanting to donate to the show for quite some time. Haven't had the means. I'm a college student in Southern California heading towards the path of an engineering major. Anyway, today in my environmental science biology class, the professor put on a documentary from 2008 called A Delicate Balance, um, which I have not seen yet. uh, But there is a link in the show notes. 
quite informative explaining how the Western diet, specifically present-day United States, has a population with an alarming rate of cancer, obesity, and heart disease, among other hazardous health problems and defects. While it, is in, while it is no surprise these statistics or facts are mostly true, what got me is when they started to promote a vegan-only diet, saying it was the only way to live a healthy lifestyle. And the amount of animal protein we should have in our diet should be zero. And of course, Al Gore shows up in the film. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. He's just always the same char- cast of characters that are just a bunch of evil pricks. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I might just use that as our opening. That was pretty no, good. No, don't job. use that as the opening. It'll turn somebody off from listening to the show. Okay. Uh, a couple of the quick, uh, quick uh, tips of the hat. Um, Gitmo Nation Deutschland, very, very angry at uh, Google uh, Street View. You know, these Google Street View cars that drive around taking pictures of your street. Well, they're not just doing that, John. They're also scanning all uh, Mac addresses of Wi-Fi. Yeah, this is actually not a new story. I didn't know about it. I hadn't heard it. And the Germans apparently are pretty. Uh, yeah, they're upset furious. about it. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, not, I know. I, I, I don't know if they do that here or not. But I'm they, sure they, they do. I'm sure Google, they do. Well, Google says it was an experimental program in Germany, so I don't know for sure. Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of experimental programs in Germany. You got to watch out for those. Yep. <laughs> and then I had another thing here. This uh, the bullying meme uh, continues. Oh, yeah, we got to get back on that. Yeah, maybe we should do that. Uh, there's the Wall Street Journal, actually. And I'll put the link in the show notes under uh, bullying. Uh, but there's there was a, some bullying thing I saw the other day on television. I didn't clip it. I should have. And it was, and it's, now it's become everything's bullying. Well, and what, what you're reading a lot of is politicians now saying, well, you know, it's not just us. It's not just celebrities. Now it's the normal person. It's the little guy who is getting bullied. We have to stop this evil internet thing. It's really bad. Yeah, really bad. Actually, there was something else that I didn't put for today's show. We have to get to it next next time, which is uh, there was some other kind of like this sort of, you know, this kind of lack of privacy, the bullying, all this other stuff. And the Internet needs more regulation or needs to be shut down or, you know, they're, they're going after the Internet. Oh, yeah, big time. And they're coming for me right now with the black helicopters, you can tell. Uh, something that just I, I really tried to, to strip out the audio, but it, it just doesn't work. Certainly not at the low bit rates we are forced to uh, because of the great Internet we have. Uh, Der Spiegel in uh, Germany, got a, uh, a secret leaked tape from the Copenhagen uh, Climate Summit. Remember, they had that little powwow, and they were all sitting down, and uh, right. they were hammering it out. So that was recorded. Somebody you, had a recorder in their pocket. Yeah, and uh, it's really difficult to hear, and it only really works if you have subtitles that go along with it. Which Do of we course, have a transcript we can show people? Yeah, the, I, I put the transcript in the... Uh, can you give us a summary? Yeah, I can. EUobserver.com is, is actually pretty good. I've been, uh, I've been looking at that a lot. Uh, President Obama tried to moderate the discussion, also expressed his frustration that the Chinese premier preferred to stay in his hotel room to send his chief negotiator. The Chinese premier? Premier. Uh, Barack Obama says, quote, I know there's a Chinese premier here, one who takes important decisions. Uh, then Mr. Yafai, the representative, said, I do not speak for myself here. I speak for China. I heard President Sarkozy talk about hypocrisy. I would avoid such terms. Avoid them. Don't run away from that. 
Um, lack of trust here. I mean, it's just, you got to read the whole thing. It, it doesn't work out of context. It's not like the statements by themselves are all that great. Um, but well, you can't... Well, Yes. What? What? Why? Can you give me a rationale? Why would you want to read it? What was done in there? It was just a meeting of a bunch of guys carping at each other. Yeah. Um, basically, it, the setup is, and you know, the, Angela Merkel is really pushing for the next climate conference. I mean, it's just kind of interesting to hear how it really went down. For all the grandstanding that we saw on the public stage, really, it came down to this one meeting where they're all they're all like bitching at each other and like, well, what? And basically, it's like. Screw the Chinese is what the message is. The Chinese didn't want to cooperate. That's kind of what the message is here. Um, but on that... Why should they? Yeah, exactly. Eh, screw them. This is from CNN uh, Español. The U.S. ambassador to Mexico had a very interesting quote. Um, Mr. Pascal, born in Havana in 1959, was introduced as, quote, an expert in climate change and renewable energy at the Green Business Expo held in a private university in Mexico City. In his talk, he referred to the effect of global warming and rising sea levels. And he says, you know what? We don't have to worry in the United States about Cuba. The environment will eliminate the problem for us. It will be flooded. It will not exist in 50 years. What? <laughs> yeah. He says, and by the way, he holds a, a Bachelor of Arts from Stanford University. He says... Uh, in what? Bullcrap? <laughs> political science. Same thing. He says, uh, no, global warming is... Uh, Cuba, within 50 years, Cuba will disappear from the face of the earth. It will drown. And this is the U.S. ambassador to Mexico. <laughs> you know, I get the biggest kick out of all the global warmists going on and on about, oh, these you, the people that are against global are saying are denialists. They're, they're, they have no scientific background. <laughs> and then they, you, you, you look at the people that are the warmists, and you got this guy, political scientist, Al Gore, politician, and that, that creepy guy in the U.N.'s IPCC who is an economist. Where's the scientists on the other side? Yeah. No, there's none. That is a funny line. He's probably going to regret saying it. It's getting no play. You, you, oh. You're not going to hear that anywhere. A lot of links in the show notes for Gitmo Nation down under about uh, the ongoing swine flu um, disaster that's hurting young children. And we also received a couple of notes uh, from servicemen and women there who are now explicitly being told that the swine flu vaccine will be mixed in with the regular seasonal vaccine for the next round. So now, well, they're, we just gonna, now they're just going to hide it. Well, what? yeah, because they got to get rid of this stuff. Or there's something in it they need to poison us with. The, uh, this woman, uh, she's in the service in Australia, I believe, right? Yeah. She's talking about first that she went to her doctor, and the doctor wanted to give her a, a shot for, uh, you know, that, that shot for Gar cervical uh, cancer. Gardasil, yeah. Gardasil, and she said no. And he says, well, I don't know why not. She also said no, because John and Adam said so. <laughs> well, you have a good <laughs> argument about it. Yeah. It, like, anyway, so yeah. then she, they asked her if she wanted to get a swine flu shot, even though the season's long over uh, and it's over, gone. But she said no. And then the doctor got irked and said, well, do, well no matter what you think, it's going to be in the seasonal shot anyway. So I was thinking to myself. If they, why are they making her want to have a shot? Because gonna she's going to be get a seasonal anyway. shot. That means she's going to have two doses. 
I think it's just a more like a shut up slave type of thing. Like, who gives a crap what you think, slave? Shut up. You're going to get it anyway. Bend over. Take it. Take it, take it, take it. You'll like it. <laughs> That's what I think it is. Could be. Oh, all right. Are you done? I think so. Okay. Then now, there's a we- number of things we need to talk about. We'll get to them in the next show. We want to thank everybody who donated for our special event, which was yesterday, the two nickels on the dime day. It happens every 100 years, and so we're only going to have a long list like that every 100 years, so don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, Dvorak.org slash NA uh, to help us for next week's show, and uh, we're going to go uh, have a beer. Yeah. Uh, are we? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, I'd like to echo John's sentiment there. Really appreciate the support. That was great. Um, uh, it was, it, 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 I felt loved. I really did. And um, as you can tell, we do the work value for value. We're really putting our hearts and soul into this. Man, would I love to quit everything else I'm doing. We keep this up. If only it could be double nickels on the dime day every single day, we'd be there. Yeah, we'd be doing five shows a week. Yeah. Would you mind? I like it. I, you know, I like you enough to do that. I think we'd get on each other's nerves. <laughs> That's the whole point. It's a uh, real problem. We're going to play the Reverend Manning uh, nine-minute clip after this so you can be amazed about your president. Until then, uh, uh, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley saying thanks for everything, I'm John C. Dvorak. We will talk to you again on Sunday for early morning service. We'll be at, once again, watching C-SPAN so you don't have to, right here on No Agenda. I am James David Manning, Senior Pastor of the Outlaw World Missionary Church in Harlem, New York. I am also the originator of the Columbia Obama trial scheduled for the 14th of May, the year 2010. Due to the growing threatening circumstances surrounding this trial, I must now release the full transcript we wish to present, document, and prove at the Columbia Obama trial later this year. Obama was recruited in 1980 by the CIA while a student at Occidental College in Los Angeles, California. The CIA needed Muslims who were fluent in Farsi and other Islamic customs and understandings. Obama was perfect as an undercover agent. The CIA then later enlisted Columbia University to extend its foreign student program to Barack Hussein Obama that he might enroll in the universities around Karachi and in Pakistan, and also the Patrice Lumumba School in Moscow. With a perfect cover and the U.S. student identity, Obama became the lead agent in the arms and money supply to the struggling Taliban army against the Soviet war machine. Obama's cover was flawless and his skills as an agent incredible. He was more than integral to the Taliban victory later on that decade. Now, I will be presenting documentation to all that I say here in this announcement. But it is public knowledge that Obama traveled to Pakistan in 1981. We don't know how often he traveled between Pakistan and Russia 
or his return to America and back to Pakistan and back to Columbia University off and on during his undercover operation in Afghanistan training and being a money supply and source and interpreter for the CIA uh, to the Taliban during those war years. The State Department of the State Department of Records have been scrubbed. The State Department of Records, pardon me, have been scrubbed and the State Department employee who scrubbed these records was killed to cover up the passport office break-in in April of 2008. His name was Lieutenant Quarrel Harris, a young African-American who was found shot dead in front of the Judah House of Praise Baptist Church in Northeast Washington, D.C. Obama learned his Islamic language skills while he spent six years in Indonesia with his stepfather and mother, Lolo Shatoro. When he returned from his CIA assignment in the mid-80s, he pressured the State Department to allow him to enter Harvard Law School. Uh, he excelled at Harvard, became the editor of the Law Review, where upon his graduation could have become a Supreme Court Justice clerk or a multi-million dollar salary would have been offered to him at America's best law firms. Except for one thing, he did not have a legitimate background as a citizen or a student from Occidental or Columbia University. A diligent investigation by a uh, personnel agency of a major law firm before hiring Obama would have revealed that he was not a U.S. citizen. And how could a C student go from Occidental College to America's fifth most difficult school to enter into, Columbia University, and then from there, three years later, enter into the world's most difficult law school, Harvard Law School. And so what must a former CIA operative do when he cannot pass the personnel test? Obama becomes a community organizer on the south side of Chicago where no background check was needed. His marriage to Michelle Robinson, a lawyer and connected Chicago politician, albeit a convenient marriage, now gives him citizenship and the beginning of a solid background. Um, he takes a job at the same law firm where Michelle Robinson becomes his trainer and supervisor a law firm that is heavily influenced by a small-time criminal named Tony Resco. Michelle Robinson again controls the personnel records. His hiring takes place without a hitch. When questions were raised, were raised during the 2008 campaign for presidency about his Columbia years, he spun those questions and the media by declaring himself to be an ascetic, a monk, even a hermit, going days on end without speaking or interacting with anyone, and he did not live on campus with the regular Columbia College students. 
Today, Obama is a man who loves the limelight and can hardly tear himself away from any camera that he passes by, wants us to now believe that he was once a monk, a hermit, with no interaction with anyone. Michael Wolff, former MTA chairman and graduate of Columbia, says, and I quote, he remembers Obama as a very, very smart student and a great debater while he was at Columbia and he was very active in student activities. Now it appears that Michael Wolf remembers things about Obama that Obama does not remember about himself. Fox News during the 2008 campaign and questions were raised about Obama's Columbia years interviewed more than 400 people on campus during the years of 1980 to 1984. Uh, students, nurses, librarians, custodians, people within the environment, shopkeepers alike. And they discovered in their investigation of the 400 people they questioned, not one of the 400 people remembers Barack Hussein Obama during his alleged Columbia years. The Reagan-Bush administration and the Bush 43 administration, they all know this about Obama as a CIA operative and his help to win the war there for the Taliban in Afghanistan during the Russian invasion. They just did not expect Obama to win the Iowa caucus. When he won that, there was no way they could assassinate him, remove him from the scene. They had to allow him to march over the Clintons and over John McCain that he might be the president for whatever information he now holds or interaction he holds with the Soviet Union and over the American people as a threat. We as a government and as a people are being held hostage by this former CIA operative, Barack Hussein Obama, who has heavy, heavy Muslim beliefs, Marxist politics, and has an intense hatred for this nation called America. Now, at the trial on the 14th of May, I will document all of these statements that are not general public knowledge that I have stated today when the trial is finally enjoined. But as stated previously, I must, because of growing threatening circumstances, present my case to the American people now. I'm James David Manning, senior pastor of the Outlaw World Missionary Church in Harlem, and also the host of the Manning Report. Take that to the bank. <laughs>